0: I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his envy. Episode 53. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His Envy. We are so excited to be bringing you all the thoughts on everything that we are watching this week. Uh, Before we get into everything that we're going to be talking about, a couple housekeeping things to get out of the way first, as we always do. Uh, Please leave a rating or review wherever you listen to us, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, across the podcast platforms. It is always such a big deal when you do leave that rating in a review because it gets us into the algorithm it gets seen us uh, seen by more people and it's just a really really helpful thing and both from you know those things i mentioned but also just hearing you guys's feedback we we're really uh Excited to hear from you guys and everything that you like, or maybe even don't like about this podcast. <laughs> Why not? Um, but be sure to leave that rating or review if you can. Um, also, you can follow us across social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads, all at A Gay and His NB, where we're posting new content every day, including clips from the podcast, as well as memes and our initial thoughts on the stuff that we are watching. Uh, so if you want everything immediately in front of you, all the time, not just in podcast form. You can follow us across there on our social medias. You can also rock merchandise from us. When you visit a game is nb.threadless.com. We have eight designs over there right now that you can get on a variety of different items, including t-shirts and mugs and stickers and so many other things. Um, they're all really cool designs that Merlin's put together and they're really, really fun. And, and you know, just cool to have on your person in, in any way that you want. So go, Order them now at againisnb.threadless.com. And also, finally, if you have a question for us that you would like us to answer on a future episode of the podcast, uh, you can submit that to us across the social media, like I mentioned, or at againisnb at gmail.com, and we may answer it on a future episode. Babe, we have a chock full episode this week on the podcast
1: we really do speaking of chalk we got some hot chocolate with snow in it over on real housewives of salt lake city (laughs) uh before we get to lisa's crepe party um for vita tequila and then we we're going to talk about uh the first part of the reunion for orange county yes indeed that's exciting and that was so good um also if you haven't watched the extended version on peacock that is also uncensored it is so much more fun to hear them yelling fuck at each other than, than yeah. beep. Particularly
0: this fr- Not to jump too far ahead, but particularly this franchise. The, the way they on OC love to punch, a fuck, is like so good.
1: It's so good. Um... Uh, And then we're also going to talk about the uh, second episode of season 45 of Survivor. Yes, indeed. Uh, You know, more of those beware uh, um, advantages show up. People lose their votes and people find idols and all the craziness that you love for Survivor. Um, But before we get to any of that, we really have to talk about Real Housewives of New York. Yeah,
0: controversial episode. A lot of, di- I would say this episode, I would say got the most dialogue online in terms of like people's opinions. And I understand why we've got to watch it on delay. And I had yeah. like, heard things and then I watched it. I was like, no, yeah, that I was kind of pissed by the end. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Psy is not having a good season. I-, no. I, I wonder, we were, I showed you the, um, I guess she did an interview with, uh, entertainment tonight. Um, With Bryce Anderson, who -hmm, who does all the housewives interviews. And she's just full on doubling down.
1: Yeah, um, but she needs to be doubling down about the timeline of her relationship with her husband. Well, yeah. Maybe we'll get... she's going to start throwing accusations, uh, there's some um, inconsistencies. Let's just put it that way.
0: Jessel might want to put that in her her, uh, notes app. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But but speaking of Jessel, okay, so we started the episode... Um, with Jessel and Pavic going out to lunch, um, they start to talk about sort of like you know, you know, with Jessel now coming back from the trip uh, from Anguilla, you know, th- how you know stressful it was with the kid, having the kids that they were like you know nonstop running around. Like Jessel had take them, taken them taking them to like a music class or whatever, and like Jessel just we see just spending the whole time just her getting up and like following them around and trying to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh God, I mm, I can't I can't deal with kids. I. <laughs> I, th- this was this a lot of Jessel and Pavit scenes are like, you know, virtual birth control. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, Jessel's like I because uh, Pav talking about how stressful it was and Jessel and her confessional. I carried those twins, so I think that buys me at least nine months of vacation times two. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that theory. Um and, and g- again, it's just the like the Jessel Pavit scenes are so fucking good. They're just like every time it's they hit it out of the park. Uh, they're ordering, cause, and they're at this, like, French restaurant, and Pavet gets, like, I guess they have, like, chicken and waffles on the menu. like, do you have any, like, house hot sauce or whatever, you know, for, like, you know, just to, for, you know, be spicier? And Jessica's, this is a French restaurant. What do you want them to have? Like, they th- there's nothing spicy in France.
1: Yeah. No, there's nothing spicy except, you know, like, they don't I hear they don't use deodorant over there. So maybe, they smell Is that maybe, real? Maybe, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I
1: can't our French uh, listeners
0: well, our French listeners are gonna love that you said that.
1: We're gonna have to rewatch Girlfriends in Paris and and, oh, <laughs> and right. see if there's any tea there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh Jessel starts telling Pavit about what happened on the trip. And I love this though. So Jessel goes, Aaron with this whole like privilege thing again with you know my story, and Pavit goes, Oh my god, what's wrong with her? I would love that Pavet like they they bicker like a couple and they do like the little like minor sort of like quips and stuff like that with each other. But Pavet has Jessel's back. Oh yeah. And I love that. Like you can I mean pa, uh Jessel talked about them being friends before sort of being in a romantic relationship and you can really see that I feel in their yeah. dynamic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh and and it seems like the way that they show. Love, I know that we joked a lot during this this season about how they quote unquote hate each other. Yeah, but that's just how they show love. I really and you it's, were saying it's that. So sweet, like it. I. It's weird to see to say. You know, calling people names viciously while laughing is sweet, but it is for them. Yeah. And it, it's very clear that they have a very strong relationship, and they very, very much love each other.
0: Yeah, Just was like, I wasn't trying to, like, paint this, like, picture that I was, like, so poor. Um, she then says that she loves and respects Cy and wasn't trying to compare her story to her and wants to sort of, like, sort of settle things with Cy. She says her confession, like, we're all adults. Like, let's squash the beef. I'm all about squashing beef. Um, and we also find out that Povet has also planned a dinner and a like staycation within the city. Like that, he's and he's like got the babysitter all set up, all organized. I like that. Like, so it's like clearly he's making attempts too. It's 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 sweet. I don't think their issue. I think going into the season, it was very like played as if there was going to be like this massive issue between the two of them that would lead to like some like possible separation slash divorce and i really don't see that now i actually think they i think they are a good couple like yeah. they have a good um they they aren't afraid to make to make sacrifices and do things to sort of
1: help the other well and there's certainly the couple that has gotten the most screen time yes like like we haven't really seen a lot like we've seen some with aaron and abe um we don't really see Anything with Si and her husband,
0: and and well, the little we see is like so very
1: good. That but I like, barely know his name. What's his name? David. David. Okay. Um. But yeah. it's definitely not this stuff that's on Reddit. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not this stuff.
0: Mm. But that may be But that made me think also when that stuff was coming out this week, like what? Like remember, Si was making such a point of like before this show, like I've never shown David like on my socials or through my like. You know, blogging and stuff like
1: that. So, like, you know, this would be the first time to sort of, like, show him to the world. Sure, and, but she actively talked about him two years on her, on her blog. That's where all of this information on Reddit's coming from. From her mouth, Oh, maybe like, blog.
0: But we haven't, I, I think what she means is, like, we had not I guess, directly seen him. Or, yeah. like, sort of, he, you know. Yeah, you, you probably shared, like, certain information, but not, like, you mm-hmm. know. We, we don't get to know him. And so that might have something to do with it. Just saying. Um, then we have this scene, which I loved. So we see Jenna meeting up with Bryn as they're uh, going to Henrietta Hudson, which is a lesbian bar in New York. Lesbian rights. (laughs) And Jenna was like, you know, this is basically like when I first came out, this was the first bar I went to. And Mm -hmm. so it's a big sort of like important, meaningful place for me. Um, and Jenna's really thankful that Bryn is there because she's like, well, bryn has got game and can be my wingman, essentially. And, yeah. like, I have no game. It was very, like, self-deprecating by J- Jenna throughout this. But I thought it was a cute, like, I, I literally could have watched this scene for much longer than they gave us. Like, oh, yeah.
1: I-, I could see an entire show of Bryn and, and – uh... Jenna just going out on the town and Brynn being her wingman. Yeah,
0: it's like (laughs) Brynn pulling out the gloves and being like, I have gloves. I'm ready to finger bang. (laughs) It's like, Jesus Christ, Brynn. Brynn goes, I go to gay bars often. I don't differentiate between gay or straight. If there's good looking people, I'm going to be there and I'm going to be drinking and flirting. I mean, yeah. I think it really speaks to, and she, like Jenna says later that like, like, Brynn is like very obviously straight, and mm-hmm. I think that is true. I th- I mean, we joke that, like, yeah. and she was hitting on Jenna throughout the trip and stuff like that. But I think, like, I appreciate that it, I appreciate it in the sense that she does view flirting as very, yeah, just a fun game more than anything. Right. And it's not like,
1: right, and she's so good at it, so
0: yeah. and has marketed herself as that. Um, Bryn uh spots a girl for Jenna and then the and she comes over to the table and uh they're just comparing their beauty marks and like admiring them and stuff like that. Um uh Jenna is basically like I said, Jenna's like real nervous. Uh she says, like, I'm a a basically like a fish out of water dating again, you know, and the girl goes, You don't look it though, and Jenna goes, I kinda do. I'm like, Jenna, let give let her give you a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so clear that Jenna is like unwilling to like sort of like View herself as attractive, which sucks. I mean, you know. Yeah. But it's a it's, it's it, she is attractive. I think in many ways. I think yeah. personality is a thing that's very attractive. It's not always.
1: Well, I think she's physically attractive too. Like sure. there's like the long lines, uh, like she's got a, a very like like model esque body. Like she her hair is fucking gorgeous. Yeah. She's got like these striking features that are just like like the woman is gorgeous. Like she is so focused on what she was teased on with, by about you know, the, you know what i mean? Yeah. Um as a child that she has made that her entire self-view and she misses the fact that Her entire self is beautiful, even with those scars. Even with, you know, and it's not in spite of. It's just that's who she is. She's a gorgeous person, and I think that that's why Brynn goes so hard with her Mm -hmm. because she sees the lack of self-confidence and wants to help her build that. Right. So that's why she goes so hard with her.
0: And Brynn points out her sexiness, too. Yeah. That she's also, that Jenna has a lot of sexy qualities to her. Yeah.
1: Like, You know,
0: I think she needs that positive reinforcement. I think she does too. Brynn goes up to them and goes, well, you're gorgeous and smart and lovely. I think we should do like a number exchange if you want. I can like broker this. Um, You're going to call me tomorrow. You're going to say you're going to call me tomorrow. And then you're going to kiss the hand to give it. And then you walk (laughs) away. And then she like licks her lips. And then she's going to think about you later when she touches herself. Like, (laughs) Jesus Christ, Brynn. You had to get that graphic?
1: (laughs) Um, It's Bryn. Yes, she did.
0: The girl go. The girl has the marker to write her number on Jenna's arm. She goes, "Can you get like?" She tries to like pop the cap off with her mouth, and she goes, "Can you get this? Use your teeth." And Jenna goes, um, "Here's the thing. All my teeth are fake, um, so that's, that's not a good thing." Um, but I'll still, you know, whatever. Um, she gives Jenna her number, and she goes, "Like as choreographs, because Bryn gave her the like, choreography." And Brinzel like goes up to her and goes, "I'm going to take a picture of this because your dumbass is going to be like." And then I woke up and then I put together a PowerPoint presentation for the love scene and I totally deleted it.
1: <laughs> Accurate.
0: And then Jenna gets on stage with one of the um, drag queens and it's again. I think she has a sex appeal. Like she, yeah. she's very like you know she in that mo- in that brief moment it was good to see her comfortable in that regard. Right. That right. I loved. Yeah. Uh, we go then to a double date with Aaron and Abe and Cy and David um, as they're getting together. Um, they talk about – they start talking about Jessel and Povit and how they're having, like, sex issues and stuff like that because, of course, they – you know. Topic of conversation. Um, they talk about how they made they had Jessel sexy tweet Povit or sexy uh, text Povit while on the trip, and had, basically had Bryn do it. Sexy tweet Povit would be very
1: different. No, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: Bryn apparently wrote to Povit as Jessel. Real talk, I'm wet, and then Povit responded, "You should really get a towel and dry off." <laughs> <laughs> I love that man. Um, Aaron then Aaron then starts this bullshit. So she goes. I have a question for you two. If your wife did not have sex with you for a year and a year and a half, what would happen? And then Abe goes, I would fuck other women. And they were just like, "Abe, what the fuck?
1: Like, but it's like, you, again, you, you laid that up. You're just mad that he took the shot. Yeah. And it's like,
0: good to know that if I'm going through something inside goes, he'll be fucking other women. Like, this, I I agree with some people I saw, which was like, there's no evidence of anything with Aaron and Abe, obviously, as much as there is with David and Cy. Um, and, and it's not evidence. It's more, you know, conjecture. But it made me, like, to me, like, this was a thing that you could play four years down the line on Roni when Aaron oh, and yeah. Abe end up breaking up. And it's like, you're so, you were so focused on, like, you know, making sure everything in Jussel's house was, like perfect and pristine and you're not taking care of your own I can see that happening with Aaron
1: well and the the thing is is that if you're going through th- something you work through it also Aaron literally you go on in this conversation to talk about how you have considered doing swinging with Aaron yeah, or, with, or Abe. with Abe yeah so it's like if you were going through something do you really think you would be upset if he was like Hey, I need to go like dip my stick over here, but I'll be back home in a little bit. It's like, yeah, like come on, yeah. And they do seem they.
0: I feel like they try to peg themselves as rather sex positive of a couple, like they like in the sense of like the talking about sex and the like, we're, yeah. we were open to a threesome, but it would have to be like, you know, whatever, like, and it would have to, and Aaron Abe's like, we've already laid out, like it would have to be people we don't know. So there's no like, whatever.
1: It's like, if you've had that in depth of a conversation, bitch, y'all gonna end up doing it.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like this, David basically answers the question of like the, the Aaron answered and be like, you know, I would, the relationship would be over. And Aaron goes, that's the right fucking answer. Like, and I don't, You You would rather
1: he leave you, yeah, than to just go and have sex with some random person and then come back home and make sure that you're emotionally taken care of. Yeah, like that. That is where I don't understand the whole monogamy mindset. Like he's still coming home to you. Like I understand if you. I think it's how people view fucking. Like I think, I I guess, but when you are already in a situation where you've been talking about swinging and talking about opening up your marriage in a certain regard, then like, what ground do you have to stand on? You've already weakened that that boundary, yeah, and said this boundary can and might come down in the future. So then why would you be surprised when his answer would be, I'd go sleep with somebody else instead of I'd leave you? You'd rather him leave you over having like an emotionally hard time where you are not feeling sexy and you're not feeling like you can perform at the level that you want to perform.
0: Also, it's like two ends of the spectrum, right? right? Like either you fuck someone else or you leave them. How about you communicate? <laughs> like you know right. what I, like, Talk you know, about it. Which is what Jessel and Pavet I feel do. Uh huh. Like again, it's like it really kind of inadvertently exposed how Aaron and Saize relationships like in a way when they're like trying to like harp on Jessels. Yeah. I I I appreciated that <laughs> as as someone who is not like Aaron inside these last couple episodes, um, and then Aaron also is like you know I would do it like because the, the topic of the three and stuff like that goes like you know if it was like a gay man you know that I could like hit it and quit it it's like I
1: I but get the gay man's not going to want to hit you and quit you yeah he's not, like, not a, he's not a piece of just, meat just quit you really because you're a woman yeah that's how that works
0: (laughs) (laughs) we see bryn um going antique book shopping because i guess that's one of the things that she used like she talked about how her grandmother got her to fall in love with like old books and stuff like that Mm -hmm. she also so here we see also bryn's new um confessional look which she basically looks like a french maid in like um what is that like Madeline or you know those old Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's like there is something about bryn's aesthetic That she gives off. It's either ultra sexy, like, 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 least amount or most amount of skin possible, or these, like, really, like, buttoned up,
1: like, sort of, like... Well, the thing is, is that nothing she does is current. No. All of her fashions are 80s fashions. Which I like
0: 80s. Like, I think... And and there is sort of that vibe of, like, 80s is the new, you know, modern. But, like... I, and and I don't dislike her aesthetic, but I just find it such an interesting choice. And I guess she is carving her own path because no one's making that choice on Housewives.
1: Yeah, but I think also she harkens back to the 80s because that's the last time she felt safe. That could be it. Because that's when she was growing up.
0: Emotional trauma. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, so yeah, she's basically going through like, and, and talking about her love for books. She goes, sometimes I think some of the guys don't like it when I can quote last week's economist and they can't, but being well-read is a plus. The two hottest things a man can have in his wallet is a Centurion card and a New York public library card. I guess. I mean, I think, I think she does appreciate, here's the thing. I think she actually does appreciate smart men like i think she like i don't know if they appreciate like i don't know if those men then then necessarily appreciate her intelligence and she is very
1: intelligent i think like you know i think a lot of times guys like that are going after the trophy wife which is usually in more of The bimbo category, which I I don't say that to be derogatory, but it's someone who it leads with the physical and maybe doesn't spend as much time focusing on intellect, being well-read, that sort of thing. Right. Um, And she happens to have both of those things, but she doesn't have any emotional maturity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like... She doesn't fit the bimbo category, and she looks like she could. So when guys get into a situation with her and then get outpaced mentally. It's not
0: sexy anymore. It's
1: not sexy anymore because it's no longer a conquest. It is no longer a situation where they are better than her. She is better than them in every aspect. Yeah. And then they're intimidated, and then they don't want, they can't keep up. So that's what it is. Um, But also, she has all of her own issues as to why she gets out of situations, and the few men that actually can keep up with her, then she just runs.
0: Yeah. Her brother, uh, Darius, also FaceTimes her, and they talk about, like, you know, what are your plans for your birthday, and apparently she's going to meet with um, an arborist at the Central Park Conserva- uh, mm-hmm. Conservancy to get a tree basically in honor of her grandmother and, and all that. So, and she, ta- and she talks a little bit more about it and stuff like that. And like, yeah, it's a sweet moment. I think it's, you know, yeah. I think I, I'm glad that we like with Brynn, it's not just funny liners and sexy, you right. know, whatever. There's like depth there that I appreciate. Um, the ladies arrived. So also Uba has organized a sound bath. Um, for all the women to go to to sort of ho- you know get let go of all the events from Anguilla. and then we find out Brynn has COVID again, which is like Jesus Christ, like two in one fucking season, like, mm, you the COVID gods are fucking with my Housewives, and
1: I need them to stop. Like, <laughs> well, the problem is is that we decided that the pandemic was over when the pandemic is not over.
0: Sure, but did you watch those pan? I mean, we watched those pandemic seasons of Housewives. <laughs> yes i get it but those were like now i think about it it's like we barreled through those like it was like those were bad
1: yeah they weren't great
0: um they uh start the thing with alexandra the healer who's helping her um lead this um this uh sound bath uh they ask for their intent she asked for their intentions Sai says my intention is to be more present well you did a terrible
1: job at it by the end of this episode
0: uh-huh <laughs> just
1: saying i want to be more present and then constantly is downplaying the validity of what's going on
0: Ugh. Uba, um, says that my intention is to bring all the love that I give outside to myself. And this cracks Jenna up because Jenna's just like, I didn't know Uba needed more love for herself, but like, that's great. Like she seems to love herself a lot. Yeah. Um, she's like, can I get some of that? Like, you know, with my, you know, you saw me in that bar. Um, they, uh, do the thing where they like shake out all the energy or whatever. As like Alexander's like doing the chanting, um, Stuff I thought it was like Jenna actually like was like oh no it actually works because and it does work like it's it's if you actually are engaged in it and you're like you there's a there's a it's I mean there's a spirituality connection I'm not trying to downplay it but there's also a science behind it yeah to where like yeah
1: for Jenna especially as someone who is also autistic and also has trouble with meditating and that sort of thing. The um, rhythmic, like, drumming and that sort of thing acts as a stem. Yeah. So it creates a space where then she can meditate. Uh,
0: Example number 27 to to Merlin's theory that Jenna is also autistic.
1: (laughs) I, I will at some point create an exhaustive list of housewives that I believe are on the spectrum. Um I'm not there yet, but Jenna will be top of the list. Heather DeBro will be number 2. Yeah.
0: Uh Alexandra keeps uh, goes around to sort of get them to sort of like talk to their inner child basically and and connect to it. Cy at one point is just cracking up. She definitely wasn't taking it as seriously. I would say her and Aaron weren't taking it the most seriously. Yeah. Uh she goes there her. Yeah. I don't want to go on a journey anywhere unless you're stamping my passport. It's like Jesus Christ. The, we get we hit on it later in the dinner that ends – or the lunch that ends the episode. But it's like Cy definitely – I will – the credit I will give Cy is that she definitely has displayed that she doesn't have a willingness to be open beyond – I like she – I think like when she like shares stories about like her family and stuff like that, she views that as her being open and to a certain extent it is. But I don't think she is emotionally open.
1: Yes, she overshares in the attempt to avoid actual vulnerability.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it like that that puts it perfect and then goes and critiques yep other people's vulnerability, which is annoying. Um Uba gets really emotional when like the topic of her mother comes up and stuff like that and she's crying and um Jessel's like comforting her cuz she's like right next to her. It was a sweet moment. Um, they all discuss how, like, sort of helpful it was. Cyaner so Confessional literally says, I'm not being healed because there's nothing wrong with me. Girl. <laughs> but, like, that's such a fucking, like. That's a whole other podcast. Uh, like. You geez. need therapy. Like, and, and she's been, like, when she lays it out, she's been through traumatic shit.
1: I, like, so it's like. Well, she's she's shoving it down and critiquing everyone else in a a way to like act like she's healing herself but she's not actually dealing with any of her own shit yeah um yeah ask jessel i'm sure she has a list of things that are wrong with you
0: <laughs> jessel asks Sai uh after they finished it like hey do you want to grab lunch sometime like maybe friday and and uh Sai goes, sure are you gonna ambush me or something and Jessica's goes fuck now <laughs> And, but sign her confessional says like, I don't care to go to lunch. What could she possibly want to talk about? So like already she has her wall up. Yeah. And that's frustrating. Jessel tells basically everyone that, you know, about Povett's vacation that he's organized. She's got, like, toys and vibrators and lube, and she bought some, like, sexy lingerie. Aaron's like, well, I'm glad that you guys are finally going to be able to fuck. Like, we, we've been wanting this. And they joke, I think side jokes, like, okay, you need to film it or whatever. <laughs> and Aaron's like, not for, like, sex tape purposes. Like, I just want the proof.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: We then, speaking of side, we then see Cy going out to uh, lunch with her daughter, London. Um, at Brooklyn Bakery. I gotta say, I found her daughter so interesting. She talks exactly like Cy.
1: It's terrifying.
0: for And, and like, that, not just like, sort of like, you know, as a way, like in a, a biological childhood, but like, she's 10 years old and she kind of carried, she carried herself in a way in this scene that was like, very adult. Yeah. And I found that very intriguing. Like, because that that can't just be genetic that has to be like size parenting in a certain realm
1: uh-huh <laughs> you're shaking your head like yep she's a minor so i'm going to keep my opinions to myself oh you think
0: it's like you but do you think it's like you are you implying that like you think it's like size like you know cuz talks about like she wants to get into like acting or singing or whatever so she wants like an agent and stuff like that i
1: think it's her parenting style and we will leave it at
0: that okay You think, what is it, is it, um, what do they call it, tiger moms? Is that what the... Yes, but that's specifically, like, an Asian stereotype. Uh, Uh, Whatever the equivalent is. Like, yeah. Um... Sai basically uh, is talking to her about like you know I would used to you know because you because she goes to like classes and she does like ballet and stuff like that and Sai's like you know I used to you know want to be a gymnast but like I didn't have money for like gymnast classes so I would just imitate the ones I would see on TV in the house. She was telling this to her daughter and I I saw some people being like, "Girl, this is a conversation for your therapist, like not your child." I don't agree necessarily. I think it is a good way to sort of like because I. I I think I I liked it in the sense of kind of what like Jenna spoke to last episode about wanting to have not grounding but like sort of giving your children who are coming now from a more place of privilege than you were a understanding of like
1: to be thankful for what you do have yes but you it's a it's a fine line right because you have to make sure that you are also not your children are not your friends yeah and you should not be confiding in your children like you would confide in your friends um because children cannot handle that level of emotional responsibility that's true and that's not fair to put on to your children the responsibility for your emotional well-being. Yeah. I agree with that. So I think that's where where people are coming from with that and I think it kind of also leans toward what I was not talking about earlier. This is why she is so mature because she has not been allowed to be a child.
0: That I can okay, I see your worry now. Like I yeah, it it's kind of like it's one of the, it's one of those things you kind of marvel at and then when you think about it like that you're like oh
1: wait like <laughs> yeah i mean i was in the same situation my mom and i were very close growing up like mm-hmm. but it was to the point where she was telling me about financial problems and like problems between her and her friends same. and like <laughs> all of that sort of thing and it's like it it, it does a lot to you it does a lot to you and i mean i also had a very disabled brother and was a very large part of like his caretaking as young as like six years old. So like right. I I had to grow up very, very fast. So I, when I see that sort of thing echoing in other children, I'm like, that kid's not a kid. Mm. That kid's going to be emotionally stunted until they figure out what is going on and is able to, Indulge some of those childlike things later in life. Yeah. I mean, because I'm just getting to the point now in my life where I'm starting to allow myself to just be who I want to be instead of being who I'm expected to be. with ex-
0: Without expectation.
1: Right. And it's, it's very healing. But it took me to the age of 32, 33, 34 to get there. Yeah. I mean, it was a rough road between... Six and now yeah so like i i just worry about what she's already been through and what she's going to be through or be going through over the next couple decades until she gets to a place where she can release all of that
0: yeah yeah that's a good point um we go to Pava and jessels and Pava is uh brings Jessel champagne as they're getting ready for their dates <laughs> Jessel goes happy sex anniversary and pavit goes is that a thing I mean, cheers, anyways.
1: <laughs> is it a sex anniversary when it's the f- like your wedding day isn't your anniversary? No. So this is not a sex anniversary. I
0: mean, so. is it? Is it? Is it the? Is it the exact anniversary of the last time they had sex?
1: I thought it was a year and a half though. Maybe. So it wouldn't be a. An, a, a who knows? I don't have like their calendar. of... <laughs> of you know banging I, I don't have that but <laughs> well we need it <laughs>
0: Um, Bryn uh, j- uh, apparently picked out the, the lingerie for Jessel and it's like a crotchless thing. And they show the flashback to Bryn and Jessel going shopping for it. And Bryn's like showing Jessel in the store, like zipping down her pants and being like, so it's like this and you have whatever. And they cut to a shot of a man like in the window looking at... It was, like, was
1: so creepy. No, like, what are we doing? <laughs> Why is production allowing that?
0: Yeah, it's... Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope it's not like... I hope it was like like, editing. I hope that wasn't the exact moment that person was looking in the store. Right. Because like, I, I
1: hope. that but is still, creepy. That's, that was gross, and it felt real creepy. Yeah.
0: Jessel goes, that's, this, my, to Povet, this, my friend, is dessert. And Pavit goes, can we have real dessert, too? And she's like, yes. <laughs> and at one point, Jessel, like, mounts Pavit on the bed, being like, this is what Bryn would, like, suggest to do. Pavit is so
1: confused. It's like, is this, is this what is this what sex is like? I don't remember this. This is different.
0: And she shows him the lingerie in like a. She's wearing like a fur coat and heels with it, and it's it like,
1: looked hot.
0: Yeah, I agree. And he goes, "Wear that to dinner. Tell him it's like the newest designer."
1: Honestly, if she threw on a pair of uh, jeans on top of it, uh, on top of yeah, it'd be hot. It wouldn't be bad. Um, we then see... it'd be a Jenna look.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Well,
1: then Jenna Cy, would wear it with a blazer, but yeah. Well,
0: Cy wore when they when Jenna gave out the lingerie of the Hampton trip. Like Cy wore the yeah. b- bustier part as like a top. Like lingerie is as outerwear is you know in. Like I've learned that from Project Runway.
1: I was about to say they did. They do a Project Runway yeah. episode on that.
0: Um Uba is facetiming Brent in a bubble bath. Like we see this shot. This is one of the so Uba. This is one of the only like bubble bath scenes I've liked on Housewives. Yeah. Because it was just something like sort of like it, it's very New York. It was like, like old school New York. Because it's like big bubble bath, and she's got like the you know candles, and then she had like a, like a whole like a box of chocolates just like for herself that she's like. It was very like upscale. It wasn't like uh-huh. you know you
1: know. Tamara and Eddie, or Meredith and Seth, and like oh yeah, I I mean one person in a bubble bath, nobody walking in and talking to them while they're sipping champagne. So that. that's
0: not creepy, like <laughs> Whitney. That and yeah, <laughs> Brynn is still like coughing up phlegm on the on the phone, and Uba goes, "Can you get COVID through the phone?" <laughs> Um, Uba uh, tells Bryn basically about the ba- uh, sound bath and how Jessel told them about, like, their staycation that she's doing. And Bryn's like, I could see them just, like, getting hammered and, like, passing out. <laughs>
1: like, That'd be hilarious. I,
0: I would not be surprised. Um, and then Bryn jokes like, what if we like disguise ourselves as like housekeepers and just <laughs> to crash it? And Uba goes, Bryn, you have COVID. I'm calling the health department.
1: <laughs> also throwback to like season one of Potomac <laughs> yeah. with the pizza cake. <laughs> Been done. Okay. So then we go to
0: this lunch with Sai and Jessel. So Sai arrives for the lunch. And as Sai arrives, we see the graphic that says that Sai is 20 minutes late. They were supposed to meet at 11. She's there at 1120.
1: Ugh, this whole lunch made me mad. Anyway, continue. So,
0: but Sai sits down, and she's waiting, and she gets a drink, and she's ordering and stuff like that, and the clock ticks further, and she's just stewing, basically. Sai in her confessional says, don't even have the decency to call and tell me you're late on a lunch that you invited me to that I never wanted to come to in the first place? I'm a little pissed off. So,
1: did you call and tell her you were going to be 20 minutes well, late? Well,
0: that's, th- that's the thing. People said it online, and I fully agree. Psy wanted to be the one to come late. Well, yeah. To, like, have the power move. And instead, Psy got reverse Uno card. <laughs> and and, and uh, Jessel pulled a uh, dereet with Teddy Mellencamp. Remember when she made <laughs> Teddy wait, like, for 50 minutes or whatever, an hour? Yeah. Um, Jessel arrives 41 minutes late. But, again... 41 minutes late total. She was only 21 minutes late in comparison. to she, she, Cy only had to wait 21 minutes, which is still a lot.
1: right? But then Cy is like later is talking about how she had to wait 45 minutes. And it's like, number one, it wasn't even 45 minutes by the time Jessel got there from the original date yeah. or the original time. First off. Second, you were 20 minutes late, bitch. Yeah. And I do agree. Jessel could have called. But yes, but also Sai could have called.
0: Exactly. Jessel goes, oh, God, she like as she's walking in saying hi to the waiter. Oh, she's going to be mad at me. So mad at me. And Sai goes, I'm so annoyed. <laughs> Jessel goes, did you at least get a drink? And Sai goes, I'm not drinking in the middle of the day. I got so much work to do. And Jessel like I was in a car for like 40 fucking minutes. So goes, why did you pick this place then? Like very like like
1: very she, hostile,
0: very hostile immediately. And Jessel goes, because I thought it was going to be like convenient for you. And jessel's like, oh, I'm sorry like, just like, I'm sorry, I, you know, this is supposed to be like a fun, relaxing, you know, situation. So I goes, I feel like if we're gonna do like relaxing, can we do it like on a weekend? And Jessel goes, well, this is the weekend for me. Friday, honey, I start my weekend on Friday. I love that mentality.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I typically do not work on Fridays because of the podcast. Like, I am. Up late Thursday nights editing, so I just take Fridays off, and I have that freedom because of my job situation. But like, I, I agree with that mindset of Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That whole thing is the weekend.
0: Yeah, Jessel uh, says, you know, talks about her date night. And she goes, "I'm no longer a born again virgin." I'll put it that way. Um, Jessel says it took me like 20 minutes to like loosen up. You know, it's been a year and a half. It's like the Mojave Desert down there. In her Confessional goes. I'm sorry. I do not believe her and Pavitt had sex. There's zero detail, and I think Jessel's just so sick of us asking if she's actually sealed the deal that she's lying. Okay, here we fucking go. Um, so just like just to definitively say that someone's lying just with like little evidence is annoying. First of all, but it's Housewives, so I'll give you somewhat a pass on that. It's just the idea that it's like. I mean, Jess, I feel like Jessel's just like, so sick and tired of us asking that I will give you probably because you've brought it up all the fucking time. Like, I'm not saying that Jess lying, but it's like, I love that you can acknowledge that you're fucking annoying about this.
1: And uh. I'm not even going to give the pass for the accusing of lying with no evidence because they have been on her the entire last several episodes. Everything right. that has come out of Jessel's mouth, it gets since, scrutinized since the beginning of the Anguilla trip has been "you're a liar." Yeah, so no, I'm not giving them a pass on that. That's fair. Fuck her.
0: <laughs> so I brings up how you know I know you mentioned like that Pavit was like going to Vietnam. Jessel says he kind of does it, this like a mileage run, and Sye's like stifling a laugh, and Jessel goes, "What? What is that funny?" which i get it it did, like when he, when Je- when pavet was laying out the vietnam trip episodes ago we were like what the fuck like that's crazy but it's like how it's going to move next episode that we saw in the preview i'm getting annoyed by cuz that yeah. is kind of bullshit um no spoiler um jessel brings up angela and is like trying to you know you know how you know you guys were asking about my uncle, and we flash back to i th- i don 't think this was included in when they were originally talking about it. She says at the dinner where she 's talking about this, like you know yeah, I basically was like living off my savings, so she wasn 't getting like like, it wasn't like she, her her dad or whoever was, like, funneling her money, right? She had a certain amount of in her savings that she was living off of in New York fucking city. She had an unpaid internship. Like, and, and yes, there's a privilege to having an unpaid internship, but it's like...
1: Well, there's a privilege to the ability to have an unpaid internship, right? Right. Because, and she wasn't have to paying living expenses out of her savings because she was living with her uncle for free. So, I mean... And and I assume he was probably providing food as well. Yeah. Um, But if she wanted to go out to eat, if she needed cab fare or if she needed, you know, supplies or clothes or any of those sorts of things. She was on her own. That was coming out of savings. And I can understand if you don't have any money coming in and you are seeing your savings dwindle, that's fucking stressful. Yeah. And it can do a lot of awful things to your psyche. And you start like doing the whole um hoarding thing and the minimizing your needs and skipping things and like there's a lot of psychological things that happen when you start seeing more money going out than is coming in right, yeah,
0: Jessica like those- goes. It felt to me like you thought that I was comparing myself to how you grew up. I want to make sure you understand that's not what I was trying to do. I don't think it touched any of you guys' struggles, but I wanted to apologize if that's how it came across, which I thought was really good on Jessel's part to just sort of like I didn't mean it this way, but if but it clearly came off this way and clearly and I can and Jessel's like I can understand the concept of feeling offended because there's an idea that I'm, that someone's comparing, right? And my intention was never even to compare, so I can understand how that would be annoying. So I thought she apologized for it perfectly well. Psy like pauses for a second, and then she goes, "Jessel, to be honest with you, I, I really don't care.
1: You cared a lot when you were angry about it.
0: You were clearly very angry about it, and yeah. Just goes, even now you don't care? And Sai goes, I don't. But it's not like it's not the it's not even her saying like I'm over it. It's her saying like I don't her the way she always says I don't care is really coming to the point of like well I'm I'm better and more superior that your feelings don't affect me.
1: I mean honestly, if I were Jessel, I probably would have just said okay. And then got up and walked out. Yeah. I just very calmly got up and walked out because there's no point in spending any more time or energy on this, right? If you don't give a fuck, then I no longer give a fuck. Yeah.
0: It's just so good. I can understand. It's so jarring. Like, it's so confusing. Like, there's no reason for this, like, to be this cold
1: about it. I, I no longer am going to expend any energy into trying to repair this. You don't give a fuck. So I don't give a fuck. Bye. Yeah, it's like so clear. Side doesn't See you at the reunion because that's
0: the thing. It's so clear. Side doesn't want to be Jessel's friend, and it's right. like, well, where do you go from there? Jessel's like, I didn't want you to think I was like offending you in any way. And Side goes, I'm not offended. And Jessel goes, Okay, that's it. You know, I just want to make sure we're good. And Side goes, You could have phoned me for that one. To be honest, it's like, girl, like this is there's no there's no reason to be this nasty. Yeah. Um. Side goes. I think the one thing about this group is that we all know when someone's not being straightforward. I think we feel offended when someone tells us a story and we know that there's some shit missing from the story.
1: It's like, it's like so she didn't keep a minute by minute journal and then turn that over to you. Uh, Cause it seems like she wanted a detailed account of every day of her life. And if that was not like, backed up with, like, empirical evidence, yeah. then it was going to be fake, and it was going to be beaten over her head. Yeah.
0: So I was like, you know, I know I can come off hard and abrasive, and I—and Sai apologizes for it. But says, look, you know, I'm just—at the end of the day, it's just that we're curious. Jessel goes, I want to open up to you guys and share, but now I'm, like, nervous and fucking scared to even share stuff with you guys. And then Sai goes, it's not that, Jessel. Again, it's just the straightforwardness is what we want. And Jessel literally sighs cuz it's just like
1: you're telling you're telling me my feelings now? Like you're what? Yeah, it's just honestly, Sai has the perfect name because every time that I encounter her, <laughs> all I want to do is sigh. Yeah.
0: Um she goes, "We don't want the circle story." Just gotta own it, Jessel. Have you noticed that when you just own it, no one really messes with you? This is at the point. I literally paused, and I was told you. I'm like, is this gibberish to you? Because this is gibberish to me. It's like wh- it's just these like buzzwords of own it, and I mean worse than Lisa but like just own it, and you know just be honest, and like you know you're straight. We just want straightforwardness. What does that
1: mean? Didn't um, didn't uh, Trixie and Katya do something about? a bit around this at one like point. oh like
0: uh, is it the, are you talking about the one where they like talk about like what queens post on twitter when it's yes. it really vague <laughs> and it's just like girl i can't know i can't decipher this this code. is
1: word salad bullshit i can't
0: <laughs> uh it's so bad jessel says like you know, oh, you know her Like, i mean we're clearly not seeing eye to eye but i didn't expect this like cold reception from her you know, yeah. Jessel says that you know something that hit home to me, and I think I for I get people who are like, oh God, don't do the like comparison thing now when you just whatever. You know, clearly that's not going to work. But I think Jessel was doing this to like explain the whole her internship and her like her her that period of her life. She talks about you know there was something that hit home to me was you know when you were talking about your mom and your situation. You know, I had a very similar situation with the uncle that I lived with when I was there. He was an alcoholic, um, you know, Je- and Jessica goes, I blame myself every day because I don't think I helped him. And Sai so goes, oh, I'm so sorry. But it's so, like, I I mean, maybe this, wa- I, I, maybe it's just how she was acting the whole dinner that I felt that this was cold, but it came off cold to me. Yeah. Jessica goes, so he passed away. And Sai so goes, I didn't know that. And it's like, huh. <sighs> But I think what she's doing is to, I, I think the point of her saying that was to be like, I understand that finance, like take the financial element out of it. I get that, you know, you know, it's not the same financial situation that you were in, but that doesn't mean I wasn't in an environment that was stressful and was. Right. Cause living in a home with an alcoholic, is fucking stressful. Like yeah. it's like, you know, and, and side knows that. Uh, and then Jessel starts to tear up and she goes, uh, or um, yeah, Jussel starts to tear up and she's like, just to connect the dots, it's hard for me to talk about the period of New York. And Sai goes, don't cry. And Jussel's like, yeah, I didn't want to cry. And then Sai in her confessional, a little dramatic. You just apologize for trying to compare. And then you turn around and you have this story about your uncle and it came out because of my mom. What's happening? Babe, it's apples and oranges with my story. But they're both
1: fruit, and that's the point. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, yes. Like, like I... I <sighs> like, but just have empathy? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be the same. Like, it doesn't have to be the same story for there to be similarities. Yeah. There's an apple, and there's an orange. And yes, one's a citrus fruit. And one's, you know, just a different type of like, yeah. but like, but they're just, still both fruit and they still both grow on trees. So there are still similarities between apples and oranges. You dense bitch. <laughs> but to say, yeah, cause they say like a little dramatic.
0: It's like, girl, I think that's kind of a hard, like that's ridiculously harsh to say. Yeah. Um, Sai's like, it just, it it just, or no, um, Jessel goes, it just, I felt disrespected when I was trying to tell the story. It's hard for me to talk about myself as it is. And every single time I do that, it feels like you and Aaron just like constantly are like vultures just tearing apart my story. And Sai goes, because the story, Jessel, sometimes. I wish you could be more vulnerable. One minute you're at A and then you make a stop at C. It's like, where are we? I'm like, oh my God, is this Bethany Frankel? (laughs) Like shit, like, you know, someone's winning and then someone's losing. And and, like all the fucking Bethany playbook, I'm so over. I couldn't take it with Cy. (laughs) Uh, signers, confessional goes, I don't want to talk about my mom again. And I don't want to talk about the reason why you're only spilling this is because of my mom. It was so hard for me to actually open up about something like this. We all know I'm not sentimental. I'm done. And honestly, I would have rather you said this to Jessel in the moment. Right. You know what I mean? Because that, if that's your true feeling of like, I don't want my mom brought up in this context because it's very – like me sharing that at, at the, on the vacation was hard enough for me and it's difficult for me. I don't like to rehash it and rethink about it over and over again. That would be more honest than what you fucking did at this table. Right. That's That's my frustration. It's just like – like and and to harp on anyone else's honesty when you can't do that like come on uh si goes your story is your story our stories are completely different i love you but i gotta go and jessel goes seriously and then side like asks for the check and jessel goes why don't you run i'll get it which i thought was a power move yeah being like no i'll pay for the check like you know and and then side just leaves and it's like what the fuck was that
1: absolutely no clue.
0: That was insane. And it seems like Sai and Jess will get further into it next episode. And I think probably for the rest of the season. Yeah. Like,
1: well, and it it seems like with everything else that is, uh, that has led up to this moment, not just with Jessel and Sai, but with everyone else on the cast, mm-hmm. it seems like the lines are clearly being drawn that it's Sai and Aaron and everyone else.
0: Yeah. I can see that. And and it's just like, no, no, I'm still in the camp, but we'll see how reunion plays out. I am still in the camp of everyone should still be brought back because it's their first season. That's fair. And you don't know how, like, you don't know how things are going to come off, et cetera, right. or whatever, even though it does feel like size doubling down, it seems. But, like, mm. you know, I, but this, I did not like side this episode. This was the episode I was finally like because a lot of people had been oversight for weeks now now was the episode where i was like no now i see it like this is kind of this is stupid yeah. um yeah so we're gonna take a quick commercial break and then when we come back we're talking the newest episode of real housewives of salt lake city don't go anywhere <laughs>
1: Welcome back to A Gay and His NB. Let's head on over to Salt Lake City where we get into the depths of the nastiness and rumors. On Salt Lake City.
0: Oh, God. This episode. Uh, I was a little... I talked last week about being a little sort of trepidatious after last episode. I was confused in certain regards. Mm-hmm. I, I still am that way. I it's Here's the thing. Salt Lake is entertaining every week. Like, mm-hmm. they're so... Cra- they're batshit crazy. So, anything they do is going to be entertaining. Yeah. But it was like... it. There was a little, like not a lot of follow through in terms of like narrative and stuff like that to where um the 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 chain of events i will say was yeah it
1: was very chaotic yeah. uh this episode um it also had some stellar bad acting
0: oh yes oh <laughs> the worst acting in this episode it was so, we'll get to it at the party it's like so bad oh god Um, We start with the cold open and Meredith is telling Seth about everything that happened on the Palm Springs trip and sort of breaking it down one by one. It ends with Meredith going, there are all these rumors about Angie that I heard. I just think it's somewhat ironic that this woman is trying to tear into me and then thinks that karma is not going to be served to her. (laughs) It's like, here's the thing. When I, I... I'm on Meredith's side at the end of this because I don't think what ends up happening is her fault, but also Meredith is not helping her case in
1: these last few episodes, and particularly here. Meredith spends her time hand rigging like a Marvel villain. Mm -hmm. Like, she might as well be in the top floor of a dark tower maniacally laughing at herself. Like, I, you know, it's that sort of energy. It's
0: so, it's so, um, I don't even know. Like it's, like
1: Maleficent, the yeah. Joker, like those sorts of... I know neither one of those are Marvel, but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, and it goes like in between. Like, yeah. Um, we start the episode, Lisa's going to get a facial with Meredith, which by the way, I found it so odd. It's kind of fucked up that they didn't go to Beauty Lab and Laser. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like you go to someone, else, like a different facial place when your friend has a Beauty
1: yeah I mean maybe it's like new tech that beauty lab doesn't have yet and they were wanting to try that out yeah
0: because they they do they have like these like face scanners where they see all your like terrible parts to where they can like exactly like oh my god Lisa scan (laughs) holy shit it looks like we're an avatar (laughs) (laughs) so funny um Lisa tells me so Meredith's like as the browser do it, Meredith also goes, like, look at like my blotchy tan, it's real bad. And Lisa goes, Where do you go? Where did you go? Meredith goes, I went to the one down in Park City. Lisa goes, Oh, I'm actually banned from there. Uh yeah, so I came in for a tan, and they were closing in 30 minutes, and I was like, and they weren't gonna let me in. So I was like, let me tan. And then it raised to the point where I had to go, let me fucking tan. And then I got kicked out and then I got an email that said, Thank you for your eight years of uh of being a customer, but we are canceling your membership. And John was like, Oh my god, I have to cancel mine too now. It's like, of course, Lisa. This that is the most Lisa Barlow fucking story.
1: Well, what what is really funny to me is that Lisa Barlow, when she gets upset, she still doesn't lose the Valley Girl breathiness. Yeah. And so there's no actual screaming. It's just emphatic talking. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like I really want to hear her like let loose and actually yell at somebody sometime Uh, because I don't know what that sounds like. I can't even fathom what that sounds like.
0: And, but it's like, this also doesn't help your case with the Monica thing, right? Oh, at all. It is like, like, Again, it's not just about your like Lisa keeps thinking it's just about her money, and it's like no, it's not just that. You're a Karen. It was full Karen behavior, and it was just like, oh, isn't that funny? It's like it is, but like, <laughs> oh god. Uh, they, like I said, they put their faces in that machine, and Lisa's is Lisa's is terrible. Lisa, This machine is just rude. <laughs> Lisa, they're getting their facials, and Lisa's like, it's just so crazy, you know, Meredith, that you're an empty nester now. You know, I'm thinking about Jack's mission all the time. I cry, like, every day. It's like... Uh, and and it, this was the funniest thing because they're having such a serious conversation as they're just rubbing cream. If you ever had like one of these like, and also they put on this like basically like a Jason mask that's like infrared, uh-huh. and it makes you look. It looks like you've been in a in, a, in a, like you have third degree burns.
1: Yeah, it's it's really not great.
0: Like you're really like just when you look at some of these like skin procedures, I I thought I think Heather Bro posted like a TikTok of her doing. It's like you look fucking terrifying.
1: For days. Well, I mean, you remember when uh, fucking uh, Ramona went to Mexico the day after. <laughs> and Sonia said she looked <laughs> like a pizza pie with no cheese. Uh,
0: God, I miss them. Uh, Lisa goes, that feels so good. This is so worth taking my makeup off for. And then we see the flashback of the last episode. I'm not doing it. No. <laughs> uh I am never dressing up on a girl's trip again. And then Meredith does her Waluigi laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: so Waluigi. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Lisa says she's getting everyone together for a party. Uh, she's calling it an apres aper- soiree no ski, like an apres ski.
1: <laughs> it, was, it was a long walk to that pun.
0: I forgot, I, did, I forgot that she said it here to where when we got to the party, we're like, what is this party about? Like, what are we doing? Uh, Lisa says that she's inviting everyone, even Monica. She goes, I'm still irritated with Monica, but there's no winning. If I don't invite her, she'll come up with some new accusations. Like, oh, I'm not in your 1%. And then Lisa tells Meredith, I should wear head-to-toe labels to get a reaction out of her. <laughs> God.
1: It, have you noticed um, that when Lisa says something that's, that she thinks is funny? And it's always something that she's pre-planned, mm-hmm. you know. She she does the finish the the sentence, stop, and then smile. Yes, <laughs> it's, it reminded me this week of Ron DeSantis that really awkward oh. smile that he's been making. Oh on- <laughs> no. It was like oh, oh no what is happening? <laughs> the one where it's like
0: no one's told Ron DeSantis like hey when you answer a question at the debate like the camera stays on you for like three more seconds. <laughs> so like
1: I feel like every time that happens they should just start playing the uh, the Always Sunny theme song. <laughs> <laughs> it's very that very that.
0: Um, we see Monica going out to lunch with Whitney. Whitney goes, "How did the girls do while you were gone?" Meaning her daughters. And Monica goes, "They did okay. Actually, we lost our dog. Uh, what?" And Whitney's like, "Huh?" She's like, "He got out. He got out while I was gone. They didn't want to tell me, but we got him back. It's like, so they didn't do well. Great. Like, oh, Monica's a trip."
1: A trip and a half.
0: Monica says that, you know, Lisa invited me to the party, so it seems like things are good. Whitney's like, that's good. You know, I will give you fair warning. It took me three years to get back in her good graces. You might just want to apologize to her. Monica goes, I'll just be like, you're a materialistic fuddy-duddy, but I love you. And Whitney goes, I wouldn't say it like that, no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing. It's funny coming from Whitney because it just sounds funny. But it's sound advice. No, she's right. She's right. Like, it's, it's funny because when you peel back the layers and take away the fact that Whitney literally sounds like a teenager, a lot of times she's right. A lot of times she's wrong. She's But a lot she, of times she's right.
0: I don't think her – here's the thing because I, I was hard on Whitney last week. I don't think her perceptions are wrong necessarily.
1: I think maybe the interpretations of those perceptions can be off sometimes. And I think
0: her intentions are definitely off. I think she's way more calculated than she's, than she's willing to admit. And we saw it a lot this episode. Sure. You know, And, and with, this lunch, with this Lunch with Monica, you see it very clearly. Whitney has come in to this Lunch with Monica with a game plan. Because oh, yeah. I think she saw, I think she had the feeling, well, you're Angie's friend that you're getting brought in. So you're on team Angie, Lisa, Whitney, whatever that's called. And then when she saw things were kind of not going that way, because they, because Lisa kept emphasizing the like, you're flipping, right? Monica, mm-hmm. you're flipping now to this side. And it's like, and Whitney kind of reiterates here. She goes, I got to be honest. We have a lot of things in common. I like your vibe, but the trip made me pause for a second. And Monica goes, why? Why? And Whitney goes, because it was a little bit of a red flag for me when you were going after Lisa and Angie. I don't want to invest time in someone who goes for their friends like that. Monica, thinking rashly, goes, you know, if your friend is acting crazy, I think you should call them out. You know, you're doing that to me right now. So, like, that's the exact same thing I did to Angie. Which, Right. It's not the exact. I mean, it was the first day. It definitely wasn't the second day when you're just calling Mm, her a chihuahua mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. whatever. Um. Yeah. Monica is like, I just didn't like it when Angie was coming from Meredith's businesses. Like the comments that she was making. Like, yeah. we, you know, we all have businesses. And when he goes, Angie does too. And Monica goes, right. So Angie should know that it's not a place to go. And then when he goes, from my perspective, it looks like you went against your two friends and were sucking up to Meredith and Heather. So it just seemed like a huge flip. The fact that she said like Meredith and Heather... Yeah, I didn't see where she was talking about, about Heather. But that that lends to, like, to me, that was revealing to me. That it's, like, it's the Meredith and Heather team. Right. And this this team. Also, aren't you supposed to be getting better with Heather? Like.
1: Apparently, stormy weather is still a little bit stormy.
0: Yeah. So, it just seemed like a huge flip. And Monica goes, I stand by what I said, 100%. And when he goes, it sounds like you're getting defensive. And Monica goes, I am getting defensive. Uh Uh-huh. And Whitney goes. gets, I just want to expl- you to explain yourself. And Monica goes, and I feel like I am explaining myself. Maybe you're not used to dealing with someone like me. And I was like, <laughs> Monica held her own here. And I appreciate it. And like, you could tell Whitney was like, well, it's not going to work here. Yeah. So let me back off and let me re reformulize my game plan.
1: You know, this has been the season or the year really of like rookie housewives really performing well. From the entirety of Roni, this Roni reboot being amazing to, you know, Monica performing every single episode so far at Salt Lake to um, Jen and OC just, like, blowing all expectations out of the water all season. And, I mean, of course we have Angie K, but who cares? (laughs) Um, But, like... It's so sad that that's going to end with Anne Marie in Beverly Hills. Well, we'll see.
0: I'm trying to I'm trying to put the 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 lead in stuff to aside, like the
1: stuff we know going into that season. To a yeah, side. but it's just, it's going to be rough. Yeah, and we will be covering it, <laughs> of course, every we will. goddamn minute of it.
0: Monica points out to Whitney, like, you know, I told Angie in her room, like, I'm going to call you out when you're digging yourself into a hole. And Whitney goes, that makes sense. Monica is like, you know, Monica says her confession, like, I'm glad Whitney is comfortable enough to tell me how she's feeling. So this is still, yeah. you know, good. Um, Monica goes, Meredith, I felt needed someone to have her back. And Whitney goes, just be careful. Be careful with Meredith. You know, and Monica asks, like, why? And she goes, at the airport, Meredith pulled me aside and was like, you should be warned that I have all of this dirt on Angie. And Monica goes, "Did she do it in like a nice way?" And Whitney goes, "No, she got her very serious eye out, and she does the impression." It was a lot, but it, it was
1: accurate. It was the,
0: when you when Meredith got really mad at Whitney about like the whole f- her father's funeral being brought up that yes. one season. It was the exact face. It, it was. It was perfect. Yeah,
1: I kind of wish that they had like superimposed that image of Meredith over it because it would have been. Ooh.
0: Whitney goes. She always talks about having all this information.
1: She's done it to all of us, and she will do it to you. I mean, she's not wrong. Yeah. Meredith does do that. Like, she has done that to every single person on this cast. Yeah.
0: Monica says, look, we've heard stuff about each other. We've all heard stuff about each other. When he goes, it doesn't make it true. And Monica goes, well, sure.
1: And it's like, oh, okay. Like, so that means she has tea and evidence to back up the tea.
0: Yeah. Well, she well, she kind of implied that the first episode with... Not as much with Angie, but definitely with Lisa.
1: Well, and she definitely with Jen. Yeah. I mean... Well, clearly. <laughs> I mean, she was the source of some of that shit.
0: Yeah. But it's also, like... Like, it definitely is gonna... It feels the sense that, like, Monica... Is holding a lot of cards in her hand. And it gets, to, like, when the, when the Angie rumor comes up later in the episode, again, it's also, it's, like, it's implied that this is just, like, regularly known. So it's, like, yeah. Monica's ears to the ground on a lot of things,
1: I think. Like, Not even ears to the ground, just ears where they're at. And there's just so many rumors that he, it's just.
0: <laughs> Whitney goes, I honestly don't want to get involved in the Meredith-Angie thing. Girl. No one buys that.
1: Not at all. Then
0: you wouldn't you, then you wouldn't have invited her on the trip. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, we then go to Whitney at home with her family and she gets uh Justin a back to work cake. Oh geez. <laughs> Justin goes, don't drop it. I forgot about the scene where she kept dropping the cake. I was yep. like that's a fun scene. That's what I've seen. Um Whitney says that Justin has had a one year non compete uh since he got fired from his job, so now he can go back to work since it's been a year later. I was confused. You clarified it for me, but, like, I was confused. I'm like, he has a non-compete, but he can work elsewhere. Like, like yes. he can work in, like, other fields. Yes. But you were saying that's so, not a good idea.
1: So it's not. Uh, so when you're um, going in to submit your resume for a job, if the first thing on your list is, you know, I worked... In some random field that's no longer my field. Yeah. It now looks on your resume like you have no interest being in this field anymore. And now you're fighting an uphill battle trying to get back into it. right? Um, if you leave, you know, in some fields you're not allowed and some companies don't allow you to leave off anything off your resume. Mm-hmm. um, Especially in fields... Like, he's in where it's, like, very insular, very, like, everybody's from the same pool, basically. Um, You get very much in a situation where you just wait. Yeah. Because if he had taken another job, it would have probably derailed and or set back his career a lot. As opposed to just saying, hey, I had to wait out and non-compete.
0: Well, my question is: Was he getting money, Like, was he getting a, return, a severance package or whatever? Probably got that, a severance yeah. package. That makes more sense to me. And if,
1: even if he didn't, he was getting unemployment.
0: Right. That was my question, which was like, you're just not going to work. Like, I get the, what you're saying, but it was like, I don't think Whitney's bringing in that much money to, like, you know, I mean, with her housewives check, but like, that's
1: no. But between the housewives and she has two businesses and whatever pension he had or like yeah whatever that severance package was they were probably fine for a year
0: yeah i was like now that i think i was like severance has to be a part but yeah like, um whitney talks about how both of them are working full time and they need to sort of reorganize their schedules and it has to remind justin like you, i mean you're still gonna like pick the kids up from school and he's like i mean yeah i'll, I'll drop them off but i probably won't be able to like pick them up and Whitney's so confused by this. And we
1: were like, why are you confused? So, if she tried to pin this, like, he wanted things to go back to where she was home all day.
0: Because she didn't really... She implies, like, it's, like, the male-dominated, like, right, mentality. Right, but it I'm seemed like...
1: like she was more wanting that to be her role now, where she didn't have to do anything. Because she had gotten used to him being around the last year. right. And it's like, no, honey, you now have to pick up some of this stuff again because both of you are going to be working. Sure, it should be equitably split. Yeah. But, like, you can't sit here and act like you're not going to have to do anything anymore.
0: Whitney goes, like, are you expecting me to take it all on because it's kind of the vibe? And Justin goes, I'm a little bit lost, though. Like, you knew I was going
1: back to work. Either there was a lot of more that got cut out of this conversation Yeah, or she blew the fuck up over saying, well, I mean, you're either going to have to pick them up or drop them off at school in the morning, which is ridiculous to get mad at. Yeah. I don't know. Also people were pointing out online, you own your own businesses, He's going to be working for another exactly. corporation. That's what I thought too. I was like, her like, schedule is pretty like fluid, I would say. Like, sure, there's a lot of things that like you can get wrapped up in something and it's kind of unpredictable in that regard. But you can always... Set a boundary of I need to be ready to go pick up my kids from school yeah. at 3.30. Yeah. Or I need to make sure that I always have the ability to drop them off at school in the morning. Like, I'm not going to take any meetings. I'm not going to do anything before they are at school. Right. Like, you can do one of those two things. Like, it's not that fucking difficult.
0: No. We go to Angie's house, and her and Sean and her daughter, Electra, are playing Slapjack. And Sean is in his um very short-sleeve... Um, T-shirt that's very tight. hmm I was going to say that. Um, <laughs> We'll get to it. We'll get to the nuanced conversation about this later. Um, Angie talks about that when Electra was born, the relationship with Sean kind of shifted and their daughter became the focus where they were kind of like, you know, sort of really close throughout their, their many years of marriage and stuff like that and were sort of each other's one person. And then with their daughter, they had to focus all the attention. And we see, like, Angie, like, talking. It, I didn't understand the, I didn't understand what was crazy about this scene. That they, It was, like, they were implying things in the scene. We find out later, I think, what they were implying. But, like, they were implying things in the scene about their relationship. And they just see Sean, you just see Sean go up to bed with the, with the dog that has the pink spray-painted fur. Um, and Angie's, like, tucking her daughter in bed. And Sean's getting in the bed. Uh, in the
1: main bed. And also, I was like, main, why is this weird? Their main bed is like 10 miles wide. Yes.
0: <laughs> the, the cat, whatever the Alaskan, whatever. thing. Yeah, is. is
1: it Alaskan King or, yeah, something like that.
0: And Angie's going, I'm so focused on my daughter sometimes that I forget that I'm a wife. I know my husband feels neglected. I know he would love more intimacy. It's just right now it's been hard for me to give that to him.
1: How old is your child?
0: She's 12.
1: She's not like an. Like, I didn't under. Like, this was com- so com- fucking confusing to me. Like. She's not an infant. She's not a toddler. She's a pretty much a teenager. It's at this not like point. you
0: have, like. It's not like you have to, like, figure out time
1: to get away to have sex. What? Go it, in your room, lock the door. Your kid knows what a locked door means. And you have a giant fucking house, and it's not like
0: yeah it's not like the fucking it's not like uh Jessel and Povit's kids where you have to like right. in that age where you have to like tend to them all the time it's like what are you that is
1: that is pretty much a self-sufficient child right there. You can leave her alone. I don't
0: know if this was like intentionally what Angie wanted her storyline to be and like that because she doesn't have one
1: like why is other she than tucking, she's Greek? Why is she tucking a twelve year old into bed? I didn't understand
0: that either. I don't... Everything about this scene was so fucking confusing. Including her
1: gay husband. (laughs) Well, let's just... Yeah, let's just say it.
0: Like, it made it feel as though what happens later... Like, it was foreshadowing. Yeah. It really... and, And we've seen the moments where it's like remember when they went to the dinner with Whitney and Justin and like he was saying stuff and Angie was like cutting him off in mid sentences and stuff like that. The relationship doesn't seem this like it does seem trans. I'm just going to say it. It
1: does seem transactional. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, exactly that. And that's fine. (laughs) Like, Like, like that's perfectly fine, but don't lie to us. Sure. Well, yeah, yeah. Or do what you want. I don't care. But like, no, no! Don't lie to us because we we were very mad. Or don't when, e- when the, Robin was lying to us about the wand thing. Sure. We were very mad when like all of these. Don't here's the,
0: here's what here's what I would say. Don't expect your shit to not get brought up. Right on this platform. Right. That's what like that's the key. At the end of the day, you can try to like people hide shit all the time. We see on Housewives clearly, but it's like. But,
1: like, when you orchestrate or, – what was that? Or, orca whale? What? <laughs> when you orchestrate an entire storyline to point the finger somewhere else, anywhere else, but at your own marriage, that's the problem.
0: And it, and it's a problem that Angie comes off so manufactured already.
1: Right. Like uh, – Including later when she does the hand to the chest gasp moment. <laughs> Holy shit. That was so fake.
0: <laughs> so bad. Um, we see Heather taking her daughters out to go skiing uh, in Park City. They're uh, taking the day off of school or whatever. Um, have, they get hot cocoa after they finish, and Heather's like, "It's too hot," so Heather goes and grabs snow from like the the hill or whatever to put it in to cool it down. I was like, "I don't think the park would." I don't think the park would like that.
1: I mean, to why would the park not like it? Because
0: isn't it well? I, no, it's probably real snow in Salt Lake.
1: Yeah, it's real snow. Okay, and it's. Um, it's, um, it's fresh snow. Cause you can see there's no marks. There's no. Right. So, I mean, nothing has been on it. It's clean. It's pure water. So, I mean, it's fine, but it is kind of a little, like, even though it is technically fine, it still has like a mental ick to it. Sure. It's like, you don't know what's been in that snow. You don't know what's been in that snow. You don't know what plane threw, blew, uh, flew through that cloud and left nasty the, shit behind. The, the sky
0: whole... is great, but it's not a
1: Brita filter. <laughs> uh, right. It, it's not. I mean, clearly.
0: Um, Heather says that she's happy they're skipping school. Heather goes, you know, every time I send you to school, Annabelle, I feel a little bit of anxiety. And we find out that her daughters are basically being bullied at school a lot. And Annabelle is like, you know, it's not really that big of a deal. Like, If, you know, it's only if someone like posts something online, Heather goes, when someone's giving a class presentation and one student turns their chair around, that's drama. That's not community of caring. And we find out that apparently a lot of this has to do with Heather's book. Um, She was like, I already with like my position on the Mormon church and how I've been in the community because it's so tight knit Mormon culture in Salt Lake already people, you know, had their eyes towards me, but now with my book and stuff like that, like they're taking it out on the girls. And like she was like, we flash back to she was talking to Meredith about this, and she was like, Georgia got sent a note that basically was calling her the C word, and like Annabelle was, like got like cookies delivered with the C word on it, and, so, and it's like Jesus fucking Christ. There, there ain't no hate like Christian love. I was like, you know, I mean, Mormonism
1: is within it's a, the Christian umbrella.
0: It's it's so like that. It was so
1: fucking. It's Christian Plus. Yeah.
0: It was so fucking frustrating cuz it's just like you fucking I, and I get it, it's like it's not like homophobia or racism or stuff like that but it's right. just like basically like the idea to just like torment people under the guise of your religion. Yeah. It's just like oh I fucking hate
1: it. It's the worst. Oh yeah. I mean we we did move across the country to escape that sort of bullshit.
0: Yep. Um, Heather basically talks about you know I want to make sure they feel safe. And Annabelle's like, it's just petty stuff. Like, I don't get, like, pushed. Heather has to be like, no, actually, like, both of you got, like, shoulder shoved at one point. And, you know, and at one point, she the, the her daughters are like, you know, we just find it funny that they're, like, so obsessed at this point. And Heather's like, I don't find it funny and gets emotional about it. And I get Heather's point about, like, I you were talking about, like, is it, like, is she just putting more fear in them, sort of? And I think she is inadvertently. But I also get her point about, like, I don't want them to downplay it.
1: I I agree. I think that she is making a bigger. You can't make a bigger deal of it than your kids do. Right. Because at the end of the day, your kids are the ones that are being wronged. And if they are fine, you need to be okay with that, at least in front of them. Yeah. Take it to your therapist
0: that's the thing she well Heather at the end of the day Heather,
1: that's what Heather needs to do like all this stuff needs to be handled with her therapist but I would to talk about it on the show with the other girls yeah talk about it with Whitney talk about it with
0: like, honestly it would help with some of their feelings towards you after this black eye thing because she talks like she links it to almost inadvertently we see in the flashback but like she links it to the black eye thing where it's like I then get, like, I downplay shit, and then I, like, don't talk. But also, doesn't that admit, like, aren't you saying, again, aren't you by saying that admitting that somebody punched,
1: at the very, somebody punched you? Right. Um, also, Ooh. that she lied about not remembering it. But we all knew that. Um, what I'm wondering is, what is in this book that hasn't already come out on the show? I haven't read it. Um, I haven't either. Like, I don't, my ADHD won't let me sit down and read Anymore. And there's
0: so many stories about, like, the Mormon, like, you know, like, I feel like a lot of the Mormon stories are the same in many ways. That's to, like, downplay them. Right. But, like, like, what more is not out there about the Mormon church? Right. You know? But they do come for you. Like, it it, it is a big, like, like, I know, it's a separate thing, but I know, like, with Jehovah's Witnesses, that's a big thing. Like, the Jehovah's Witnesses will fuck your shit up if you speak out against them.
1: And, like... Well, and... uh, as a institution that that could be true i i mean i happen to know some people that are jehovah's witness and they're pretty awesome oh but, yeah yes but like you know individuals are not an institution right individuals are are able to make up their own minds and able to do their own things and they don't necessarily represent the right. viewpoints of the institution the catholic church is a good example as well mm-hmm. like we we know that there are plenty of catholics who do not stand by the vatican on everything um and the vatican is guilty of a lot of fucked up bullshit And not to mention or not the least of which is the rampant pedophilia and the rampant mistreatment of native children here in the americas in canada and the u.s you know like there's been a lot of atrocities yeah that religious institutions have done. And that's not necessarily um, something that all of the members are then guilty of. However, in an insular community like Salt Lake City, where they are all binding together around and being an arm of the church in order to do this sort of attacking and bullying, they are personally guilty for the actions of the church. And the church should... Make a statement of this is not acceptable and this is not something that is okay.
0: Well, and I think I think if like you you were asking like what from her book or whatever is like right. I think I mean she she probably I would argue speaks in very clear terms of I think she views the Mormonism in many ways that it is a cult. Yeah, and I think there's fairness in that in the. In the elements of, like, the pledging of loyalty that she talks right. about and sort of, like,
1: the well, ways in which that happens. The death oath that yeah. I had no idea about beforehand. Like that, That's terrifying. Like, that feels like a cult. Like, right. Like, you know. Well, and the thing is, is that any large, old organized religion can turn into that. Right. And any time that you have a person of power who is telling people how they behave, what they need to believe... And all that's a cult. Like, look at the definition of a cult. Um, it's, it's verbatim. So you have to be very careful when you're getting involved in large, organized religions. Like when you are doing your own thing, having your own personal belief systems and practices, that's one thing. Find what vibes for you. You know, I always will caution somebody with getting involved in a large institution. That shit's scary.
0: Oh, for sure. Um,
1: but, and but, cults could exist outside of religion as well.
0: Yes. Um, her daughters tell her, like, you know, we don't want you to, like, ignore it, but, you know, just have, like, a healthy conversation with it. You don't have to, like, email my teacher because then it's, like, worried that I then I would be worried to not tell you certain things. And Heather's, like, that's the one thing I do not want is to, like, push you away to the point in which you don't feel comfortable telling
1: Well, and me. her daughter even tells her, you know, I was... Considering not telling you about this because I know how that's gonna have you react. Yeah. And and Heather has talked about being very close friends with her daughters. And again, this is a line that gets blurred. Yeah. That causes her children to then worry about her emotional well being when they should be able to bring her anything, and they feel like they can't because they need to take care of her reactions. Right. Yeah, no, like that—that you... that creates an emotionally dangerous situation. Whether Heather is meaning that or not, and I know that she's not because she loves her kids. It creates a situation where those kids do not feel safe. Coming to you, right? Yeah.
0: Um, we go to Lisa uh, setting up for her après-no ski. <laughs> This fucking confessional. Lisa's confessionals were so fucking funny this episode.
1: It was ridiculous.
0: Listen, I work hard. I can afford the things I have. That's why I have them. And this party is celebrating the fact that I'm a smart, successful woman. There's a byproduct to working hard, and that's called money. (laughs) I appreciate nice things. And thank God somebody does or Dolce & Gabbana wouldn't have any customers. That's a way to look at it. Okay, I, 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 It's one of those things where it's like you're delusional, but like I, like I can weave a point,
1: right? <laughs> like, or maybe they would lower their outrageous prices that are really price gouging for what they're offering you and make them accessible to more people. Yeah, you know, just the thought. <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: Angie, uh, the guests start arriving. Angie K in these fucking glasses. I. What? She
1: spent the entire party posing.
0: Bitch, this ain't the this ain't the X Men.
1: Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, well, it it seems like she wants to make statement shades her thing.
0: She oh yeah, she brought when she was on with Bo and Yang on Watch Up and like I got it, you shades Andy, and I got I get
1: mm, number I, one. Those were the the um. The sidewalk hawker version of the the pink shades yeah. that you had; those things were shaped plastic
0: glass. Also, glass glasses wear is very important when you have a. And I'm not saying this in a mean way. When you have a long face, uh huh, it's it. You need a certain type of glasses, and like the the pink ones that were like half her face weren't doing it. And these were not doing it. I need. I need uh, a middle ground. I need a, just a, just a nice round glass. How about like,
1: that? How about a pair of glasses that look like a pair of glasses? <laughs> yeah. Like she came to this party in like cosplay of Geordi from fucking Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yes. Like I, I felt like we had Greek LeVar Burton going. Like what's going on? Who.
0: <laughs> 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 Meredith gives her, like, a light hi, and Angie's like, hi, Meredith, but it's still really cold. Meredith goes, it's simple to say hello to someone, you know, even if they behave like a dog. But perhaps she can be kept on a leash somewhere far away from me. It's like, we're really, like, emphasizing this dog thing. Which when we get to the fight later, I don't think is inaccurate. I think there's elements to it which I agree with. Lisa toast everyone as they arrive. Let's just have fun. Be who you are. Be who you
1: want to be. It's like, what is this party about? I don't understand. Like, it was clearly, like, for Vita Tequila, but Vita Tequila was branded everywhere, but never mentioned. No. Never mentioned. What's happening? It's so confusing. Like, it was, and, like, Whitney had that um, Shotsky that she brought in that was Vita Tequila branded. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. There was I was like, what? Like, what is happening? Angie, they they they're like,
0: Whitney's like, should we pop the champagne bottles? Angie's like struggling to pop hers. She goes, I drink Uzo. I don't know how to do this. Um, so just to Google uh the Wikipedia. Uzo. Uzo because I didn't know what this was. Uzo is a dry Anise flavored aperitif that is widely consumed in Greece. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> Can you? Ah! And and she and she pops the bottle babe and guess what she says? Guess what she says? Opa!
1: I need her to stop. It's because she opened the bottle. She's not that creative.
0: Lisa Lisa has a crepe station that the the amount of like emphasis on this crepe station that they have
1: it, it even got brought up in a fight but it almost felt
0: like that was the only food
1: like, Yeah. They, they like had, what is this Aaron's like Val renewal party.
0: They had crepes and they had a like water, whatever that's called, where you, um, you put the ice luge, ice luge, like, and that was it. It was
1: like what that got milked like a cow.
0: Oh, and there was pizza. Like there was pizza that Mary got her outfit in.
1: <laughs> the
0: well, Who is catering this? monica and lisa are talking by the crepe station monica goes it's look lisa it's so cute the the crepe. She goes aren't they cute amazing right and monica goes she is fed i am so happy and lisa goes we like you when you're happy monica we don't like the other monica and monica's like oh you're so funny lisa but it's like they're just building they like they know this fight's gonna happen
1: yeah, and they're we're just not, waiting for it to bubble over.
0: They're not wasting any time. Lisa goes, I was a little bummed that you called me materialistic. And Monica goes, I had to do a prickly. And Lisa goes, I'm fine with the prickly. I don't like where you took it after the prickly. I'm like, can we not make prickly a thing? Like,
1: <laughs> Yeah, it, it was a rose and thorn. I don't know why we needed another name for it.
0: Yeah. She's like, when you called me a piece of shit. Rate the room, Monica. Everyone here is materialistic. And then she points to everyone and goes: Balmain, Valentino. And Monica goes, "Guess what? Zara." Steve Madden points at herself, and then Lisa goes, "And that works for you."
1: That was such good shade by Lisa. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is that it it's it's quote unquote good shade, but the only shade she has is calling her poor.
0: Yeah, no, it's mean. It's awful. The content is mean, but it, it was diver, delivered in a clever enough way. Monica says, like, just own being materialistic. And Lisa goes, Monica, I work hard, and my philosophy is. And Monica goes, I think everyone works hard. They work hard. And she points at the like, the crepe uh, maker people at the crepe station. And one of them is literally like, don't put me in this.
1: Like, <laughs> Literally, it's the guy in the middle. He's literally, like, looks like a deer in the headlights. Like no why I made it. Also, are you calling me poor, Monica? (laughs) I mean, he's in the service industry. He's probably poor. Sure.
0: Uh, Lisa goes, if you're gonna judge me, I want you to judge everyone in this room. And Monica goes, but they're not all like, oh, I'm gonna go on a private jet with Snoop Dogg. And Lisa's (laughs) like, I never said that. I never no, that conversation never happened. I never said that. It's like
1: what? Also, I would like to point out that Meredith put out a picture of her and Snoop Dogg on, on Instagram or, well, Twitter also, or something.
0: Yeah, well, also Heather later is like, so I, I party with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa walks. Then this is so weird. They're having this fight. And then Lisa walks up to Heather and Angie who are talking. And Lisa goes, she says, I'm getting on a private jet. She's making dumb stuff. And Monica goes, I'm just trying to eat my damn crepe. <laughs> Heather, like I said, brings up the, the cheese party with Snoop Dogg and she has a picture. Monica goes, Do you really? And then turns to Lisa and goes, Why can't you just own it like that? <laughs> At this point, Mary walks in and Mary's like, What the fuck is happening? <laughs> she goes, Oh, Lord have mercy. Why is she even here? Mary goes, Some, In her garage somebody rescue me quick. <laughs> Lisa, and so now I'm so confused. Because now Lisa, and it's not, now it's not just Lisa, like, and now it's not just Lisa and Monica. Angie's now in it as well. Like yelling with Lisa at Monica. And like, I don't know if it's because we were too focused on me. I like, when did Angie get in it?
1: Who knows? I, I didn't notice it either. I was very confused. Lisa goes,
0: don't be triggered. You, you're at my party. Eat the fabulous stuff that I worked hard for. And then this was so stupid. Angie then like, like on Monica's like crepe thing, she has like one of those, you know, those little like spirally cookies you get in like the tin, Mm -hmm, the really mm -hmm. long ones. She tries to shove it in Monica's mouth and Monica then gets pissed, which I agree. It's like, girl, you did not have to raise it like that. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, Angie, you're trying way too hard. You need to stop. And she puts her crepe down and goes, Angie, if you fucking start with me, you're going to open Pandora's box. Lisa goes, That's rude, Monica. And then, but her fi- like, Lisa's, like, gesturing, like, pointing at her. As she does it. Monica goes, Get your finger out of my face. And then gets, Get your finger, like, double pointing. Monica is like, Get your finger out of my face. And it's like, t- almost touching Lisa. And it's like, and I'm like, holy shit, what is ha- like? There's no reason for this to get this elevated.
1: This is going to be like the. It, it felt like it was elevating to the point of that uh, Atlanta reunion. Yeah. Where Portia and Kenya go at it. I was like, girl, wrong road. But it's like, what? It, it didn't. Here's the thing. It was, again, Salt Lake
0: is crazy, so it works, but it just didn't feel like earned. It's like, why is it this intense?
1: And then it doesn't, and then it just calms down. Like, it just, like, like. Like, how are you at each other's throats, like, right now? And then in five minutes, we have, like, what is supposed to be believed, a friend letting another friend in on this thing.
0: (sighs) Meredith comes up to Mary and says, hi. And she's like, your look is so chic. I hated Mary's skirt.
1: It was awful. It
0: was the worst. It
1: was like she took a comforter and just like cut slits in it. Oh, to me, it looked like a long, like, um, gladiator skirt.
0: Yeah. 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 Very gladiator skirt vibe. But like, again, like a comforter in like an old,
1: like someone's home from like the seventies. Yeah. It was not great. uh.
0: Lisa goes, I feel like you had an idea of me, and it's not me. And you should get to know me before you tell me who I am. And Monica goes, that was not my intention. (laughs) Whitney goes, can you believe, Lisa, right now, that it's not her intention, even though it hurt you? And Lisa goes, I believe you, and and we're fine. And then they're just fine.
1: (laughs) I think, though, that it's because, like I was saying earlier, there's no difference in her... In Lisa's chill voice and her angry voice, it's the same voice. So nobody knows when she's angry. It's, it's crazy. It's it's it. Like
0: I don't even. I'm I'm so discombobulated from that whole scene. It's like I don't even know how to analyze it. Really, Lisa goes. I do, professional. I do want closure to this conversation with Monica. The bottom line is calling me materialistic is stupid. Like, we have different interests, and my interests are more expensive than yours.
1: Jesus Christ, woman. You're literally just making her point.
0: Yeah. They hug, and Lisa goes, I'm deeper than you think I am. And Monica goes, I don't think you're shallow. You did literally call her shallow in the Sprinter van. <laughs> yeah. Like, you
1: specifically use that word. Yeah. Um, And you weren't wrong. Yeah. The only thing deep about her is her pockets. (laughs) Lisa goes, Monica,
0: go get another crepe. Like, she she didn't... I don't know what happened with her first crepe. Like, she definitely didn't eat it. (laughs) But she has to get another one. Um, Heather then tells Mary... Because Mary's coat is getting in the pizza. Mary goes, good looking out. Um... Oh, my God. So Lisa, Whitney, and Angie then start dancing. And Angie goes, I can't dance unless it's, you know, Greek music or belly dancing. Girl. It's even funnier also when you know, like, the behind-the-scenes housewife trick of, like... It's funnier when you know that they're not dancing the music. They on, At these parties, they don't play music. Unless it's, like, times when cameras are down. Right, because then
1: it would fuck with the
0: sound. So they're just, like... Bouncing and, like, with... And they're doing this weird dance, like, all... The, just, like, it's, like, the white girl dancing where they're, it's like... It's the
1: white, um, early... It's the white girl early 2000s, um, like, alternative club dancing. Yeah. It, it's It's very much the, um... Uh, Rose McGowan intro to Charmed when yes. she joins that that whole thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about and if you don't go watch the theme song to Charmed but on it, YouTube. But
0: it makes the scene so much funnier when you know. They're dancing to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just see Mary watching them going, I don't know about Whitney. Whitney looks cheap. <laughs> Whitney was so mad about this on social media. She called Mary a bitch. On Twitter. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my God. And then this dynamic. Monica sits down with Mary. Their friendship or whatever it is. (laughs) is like Mary then just starts pulling faces. And she goes, you like to eat, don't you? I always see you eat. And Monica goes, I love food. And Mary goes, but you don't care what you eat? Like, do you eat like vegetables? Monica goes, there were raspberries in that crepe. And Mary goes,
1: girl. (laughs) Like, also, they have drinks, pizza, and crepes at this party. Where the fuck are the vegetables? But
0: also, last episode when Mary was like, "Can you take me to McDonald's to
1: get a fish fillet? And some but nuggets? she only did that away from everyone else.
0: She thought she wasn't on camera. <laughs> it's here's the thing: the con like. It is fat-shamey. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. Monica handles it well because I don't think she takes Mary seriously. Like, yeah. And I don't think that's the, that's why I find it just funny because it's just like this woman's batshit crazy. And she's Clearly. like, there's no she's no authority on anything. I mean, she goes, because you're a beautiful girl, just like, you know, don't eat your life away. It's like, Jesus
1: Christ, Mary. She's only an authority to her cult members. Yeah, that's Because we cannot forget this woman is the leader of a cult. <laughs> yes.
0: Monica in at this point it's my mission to make her like me I'm just gonna live in my delusion that Mary and I are besties and then we see this flashback to Heather's party in the first episode and Monica going you're so great like I freaking love you like sort of like touching her and and Mary smiling and then Mary goes I I I don't really care though like 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 I really don't and and Monica goes yeah yeah (laughs) like Monica's just like I'm just I'm just going with the flow with Mary I'm riding the Mary train Oh no! Oh my god! So then Monica then asks Meredith, uh, "You know, are you going to ch- talk to Angie?" And the way Meredith goes, "Abawa," <laughs> it was it wasn't English. <laughs> and as this conversation was happening, we just cut the shots of Whitney, like watching them and like sipping her drink or whatever. Monica goes, "You know, if she came up to you, if like Angie came up to you, would you talk to her?" And Meredith goes. I mean she would do whatever reson- she should do whatever resonates with her. I mean, you know, clearly she does. She shoves whipped cream in your mouth and they're just joking. Cut to uh Whitney and in her confessional. Meredith is relentlessly coming for Angie. What, what? <laughs> Girl, stop. Monica asked her a question and she answered it and she didn't call her a bitch or a dog or a,
1: you know, a monster or what. It's like... There was an allusion to whipped cream. That's it.
0: Meredith is relentlessly coming for Angie and it's clear she's not going to stop. So who's going to end this? Will someone, the... (laughs) Please,
1: the... Of course, we don't know what was prompt. Like... Maybe there was more. We have to remember that when they're talking in confessionals, what they say in confessional is not necessarily prompted by what we just saw on screen. It could be from
0: a different day.
1: It could be from a completely different day. (laughs) It could be a question that was completely unrelated, and the producers just decided to pair these Because the
0: producers were definitely editing it as if, like, Whitney was, and I believe it. That Whitney was looking for an excuse to do what she was about to do. So then Whitney's like, hey, the Meredith. Thing, the thing is, is that she didn't really need an excuse. It was already there. Sure. But she goes, Meredith, do you want to do a shotski? Let's all do a shotski. Meredith's like, okay, I guess. Like, Meredith's so unenthusiastic about this shotski, by the way. Yeah. It's like, okay, we did it. And then after they do it, Whitney goes, hey, Monica, can you want to come over here to pull Monica to the side? I think she wanted to end the conversation with Meredith and Monica to get Monica to have right. this conversation. Whitney and Monica sit down and Whitney goes, So I told you Meredith made a threat about Angie. I don't want to do anything with it, but Angie's our friend. Why are you having this conversation then? <laughs> if this was going on behind my back, I would want someone to tell me. Whitney then asks, like what the rumor is, and Monica goes, Do you know what it is? And Whitney goes, I know I've only heard the threat and Monica's like okay well like everyone's heard it so I'm kind of surprised that you haven't which I don't believe Whitney hasn't because again her acting is not great to prove that she
1: hasn't heard it that's true but I do kind of have this belief that Whitney is pretty aloof (laughs) sure so like I maybe she hasn't heard it so Monica tells her she goes People are talking,
0: and, and again, she frames this as that, like, Meredith said. I, I believe what is happening is Monica is assuming this is the rumor Meredith has. Right. Because she says people are talking and everyone has heard it. So she's connecting one and two to think, well, this must be the rumor Mary is talking about.
1: Right. So basically the rumor is he's getting his dick sucked at the Roundup. <laughs> <People, laughs> and, and she knows the one who's done it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and
0: Or the, the ones because there seem to be multiple. And basically that they have an arrangement and that their marriage is completely fake. And then Whitney just goes – Whitney pulls like the chipmunk face and then goes – no. <laughs> no. There's no way. No. <laughs> no. No. It's like, what are you doing? Like, girl, this is the worst acting job I've ever seen. Give it a minute. It gets You'll worse, see worse a- <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I feel like I'm going to pass out. Really, Meredith should be the last person to talk about this. And the her is, he goes, as a strong ally in the community and her connection with Glad. I expected more from
1: Meredith, with and not not to mention her gay son, <laughs> which Thera, he has not officially come out. Although she did seemingly out him on Instagram stories on TikTok, the other, or was it TikTok? Yeah, that that TikTok with.
0: Go look at it, because it it was jarring. (laughs) The song choice was jarring. Yeah. We cut to uh, Mary, and she goes, Heather, what made you wear that necklace? (laughs) And
1: Heather goes, I love the necklace. And Mary goes, you do? (laughs) I'm sorry. The fact that Mary thinks that she is the arbiter of fashion when we have seen what mary wears yeah. on a regular basis so, is laughable so
0: heather goes i think it brings out the champagne in the coat i think it brings up some flair in the turtle and all this time mary's just shaking her head no goes, <laughs> and i have matching earrings and i'm standing behind it and mary goes you totally missed on that one
1: <laughs> jesus christ mary
0: uh, angie comes up to monica and whitney by the ice luge <laughs> and angie goes are we having fun and monica goes I'm having a great time (laughs) because she knows what's about to happen. (laughs) They pour a shot for Angie and Whitney goes, you're going to need it. And then Angie's like, it's like milking a cow girl. You got to get your lines to like, like there was a better joke there. Like what do they they milk cows in Greece? Uh, (laughs) Whitney then pulls her over to talk and they all sit down and Whitney goes, I'm very uncomfortable. And Angie goes, why are you uncomfortable what's going on Whitney brings up that Meredith had threatened her and that she knew stuff about her marriage. And Whitney goes, and that's why we're nipping it in the butt. And, and Monica goes, is it butt or bud? Like, like <laughs> is it bud? But, and Angie goes, okay, okay, guys, who cares
1: <laughs> for the record? It's bud B U D. Bud. It's a gardening phrase. Anyway, continue. Yeah.
0: Monica then tells Angie the rumor that her, That her husband sleeps with men and that there's an arrangement. Angie clutches her pearls. Are you fucking kidding me?
1: It is the worst acting I have ever seen in my life.
0: She is crazy. We have been together for 27 years. We are loyal to each other. Meredith loves to lie about other people's marriages. And the only one that's spreading their legs outside of their marriage is Meredith. She had it way too prepared.
1: Also the only one spreading her. So are you alluding to the fact that your husband's a bottom? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just asking. So can we, can we briefly talk
0: about, so the Angie was the guest on watch what happens live. I got annoyed with Andy and, and, we're gonna we're gonna explain it because we've had we've talked in the past about sort of like gay storylines on Housewives and like the outing of people on Housewives. Correct. He makes like Andy's very much like prefaces of like you know I really hate this trope. I think it's really reductive and like it's just a really disgusting thing. And I was like, but w- less than a month ago we were engaging the Drew and Ty stuff,
1: and we're about to have an entire season seemingly centered on the. Kyle and Morgan. It seemingly when it's women, it's fine. Well, I think it. I don't think that it's necessarily women that it's fine. I think it's because those are the housewives. They have signed up, sure, to have things exposed about them.
0: And to that, I to a certain extent, I agree. I also think, I think we were talking about it. I think infidelity plays a factor. It's one thing if it's about the infidelity. I don't care who you fuck. Like, that's not the major thing. It shouldn't be about that Sean fucks men, allegedly. It's about... I have the the legal team. Um, No, but, like, it should be about any form of infidelity. I think I get where this one is kind of... This one is kind of negative in the sense that the rumor is he fucks other men and they have an arrangement. If they have the arrangement and he needs to be in the closet...
1: Then, yes, it shouldn't be brought out. Which I think is interesting that when it is addressed on Watch What Happens Live, and he's asked about it, he says it's not an issue with the gay thing. Like, we're big allies to the gay community. We're hairdressers. Like, we literally... I mean, that's red flag number one, though. Like, to be fair. Red flag number two is look at him. Um, But... Then he says the issue that we have is the infidelity. But the rumor does not have anything to do with infidelity. Because if there is an arrangement... You are not being unfaithful.
0: There's an agreement there that, like, he's allowed to fuck men, and we can still be in this marriage, and it's platonic, and it's not... And and that's perfectly fucking fine, because there are a lot of men that have to be in the closet, and that's perfect, and for whatever reason.
1: Well, and we don't even know if he's gay. He could be bi, pan, whatever, and it's just that she is not able to provide something that he feels like he needs. Right. Or, you know, maybe it's more of a, he's just not interested in her sexually, but he loves her romantically. Or it could be a situation where they married for friendship and they get their sex elsewhere. Yeah. You know, there's all sorts of different arrangements that it could be. And it's really none of our business. But and like, I also think,
0: I think a per- the person comes into play. Because w- here's the thing. We're making the, jo- I get it. We're making the jokes of like, we believe Sean's probably gay. Like just looking at him. But we can make those jokes because we're in that community. I would argue. Right. First off. Second off, I think it also, de- like with, Dr- with like, Drew and Ty, I didn't fucking care because Ralph didn't
1: deserve,
0: you know, Ralph was a piece of shit.
1: I cared in that I felt like if that was Drew's truth, I wanted her to feel comfortable in living in that because we know what it's like to not feel comfortable living in that. And that is torture. So, like, I don't want her to experience that just like I don't want him to experience that. But. And I it, also feel like when you're getting on a platform like this, you don't really get to live in a closet.
0: And also, like, the, but, like, an example of where it kind of, I, I don't mind it as well is, like, let's, you know, Michael Darby. Right. I didn't mind the Michael Darby stuff. One, because Michael Darby's fucking terrible. And he's a predator. And he's a predator. And allegedly.
1: Um, allegedly nothing. There is video footage sure. of him assaulting a fucking Cameraman. cameraman. Yeah. Like that is not alleged. That man is a predator. But he also, needs to be behind fucking bars. But my
0: point was also he's a terrible he was a terrible husband to Ashley. Right. And was in the, him getting those articles about him, you know, as Karen put it, being on in London through the grinder. Like, um
1: which also that's not alleged because there are screenshots of that. Sure. So it is But we like, don't
0: know if that's his torso, but whatever. But like that's that's his defense. But the the issue is the, not him being gay. The issue is the continued embarrassment towards Ashley that Ashley's then having to defend. And, you know, and then him having those rumors and then very obviously having a romantic crush on Juan Dixon that he's not hiding in any form or fashion. Not even
1: just romantic. He literally talks about wanting to suck his dick. So,
0: like, to me, that's different. To me, like that's all in in fair game in terms of housewives. I don't think Sean has done anything to deserve this, and I don't think you right. know. And again, the context of the rumor is like, what's the point of it? Right. Other the, other than to out someone and say that being gay is bad. Right. Because there's nothing if everything in the rumor is true, there is nothing for Sean or Angie
1: right. to be ashamed of. Right. There for me, and I we posted this on Twitter. Like, there is a difference between speculating about someone's sexuality in that you're wondering, well, is this person being honest with us? Is this person, like, having a double life? That sort of thing. And there is something completely different when it is something like what Marlo was doing all season with Drew. Yeah. With what the, like... Weaponizing this rumor now and against going in Shawn, the re-
0: in the reunion in the Marlo case, going in the reunion, being like you have sex
1: with girls, right? Like, like that's so cl- that's homophobic. That is clear homophobia. That is weaponizing someone's sexuality against them in in a effort to shame them into either submission or getting off the platform. That is blatant homophobia and should not be accepted. What is happening with Sean here? Is the way that they're weaponizing it is homophobia. It is fucked up. It is not okay. But questioning whether these rumors are true is not homophobic.
0: And also, like, with the Kyle and Morgan thing. It's like when Kyle and Morgan are being that blatant with things to where they're almost, like, hinting at it.
1: Where she's starring in music videos during the middle of this fucking... Yeah. like Because come on. the fact
0: that anyone would then question it doesn't mean that that is them being
1: homophobic. Right. Nobody is trying to shame Kyle about her sexual preferences. Yeah. They are literally saying, well, if this is true, you should be honest with Mauricio. Right. And with the audience. Because you, are, you have signed a contract to be on a television show where you bear your life. This is a significant part of your life, and yeah. it should be on screen. And
0: that was my thing. It was just like with the with what Andy said. I'm like, if we're going to boil it down that simply of like, gay rumors should not be a thing on Housewives. If that if 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 it's going to be that simplistic, your mentality, then be consistent across the board. Because there's sometimes you're fine with it, and sometimes you're not. Right. That was my thing. Um, and Ma- Ma- so Monica tells Angie, she's saying that his boyfriend needs to be quiet because they're out there in the streets of Salt Lake City talking about fucking your husband. And Mer- and Angie goes, she's a sick bitch and then gets up to confront Meredith. And then we get it to be continued. So we're probably going to see the end result of that next episode. Um, overall, still great episode of Salt Lake City. Chaotic as fuck. Yeah, And, and that's always good.
1: All right, so let's get into this uh, Orange County reunion because holy shit! First part of the reunion,
0: I I am a sad Shannon Bador fan today. This was Shannon's worst reunion. It was
1: awful, and honestly, I would not be surprised. We'll see the second part next week, but I would not be surprised if we don't see Shannon back.
0: I think she, I think she might get put on pause for a season, definitely with this DUI stuff. Yeah, like, but it's it it was not a good Shannon reunion, and really, it was. I think Gina's best reunion, which was shocking. It
1: was so good.
0: Yeah, I was shocked by that. Um, uh, Andy unveils to them the set, which I loved. I really thought this set was really cool. It's a big, wide wraparound screen. Like,
1: were they doing the sphere in Las Vegas? The new, like... <laughs> oh,
0: my God. That thing is, like...
1: <laughs> that would have been cool if they were doing it from the sphere. Like, I would have been cool with that.
0: Yeah. Uh, it was trippy as fuck. Like, I love that at one point they
1: were like, is this a live shot? Or is this, like... Yeah, but it, it's... Like Gina points out, it's literally Orange County. Yeah, like it's literally the beach by where most of them live. Yeah, it was really cute. I hope they do that more often with housewife yeah. sets.
0: It's a good. I like. A, I like some of the more like sort of like where you actually have like pieces of artwork and uh, and blah blah blah. But like that was a cool way, thing to do.
1: Like if they were to able to get like this three this three sixty shot of the. Uh, place in uh, Anguilla for New York, or even if they were able to get, like, Times Square in the middle of the night, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. You know, like, some, like, cool iconic shots like that would be nice. I don't know.
0: Um, we start, they go through everyone uh, to introduce, Andy does. Andy asks Tamara, how does it feel to be unpaused? Tamara goes, it felt great. I was a little bit nervous coming back. That's why I drank so much. I'm like, Stop. we're not even a minute in and you're fucking using your excuse. Like you can't you it's it's she throws it out so easily every yeah. fucking time it gets so annoying. Um, Andy says Emily looks great. We she says that she lost forty pounds. We I feel like we've talked a little bit about her weight loss yeah. journey and how she's honest about she she did take Ozempic. She says it was a, a starting point for her to like sort of get to a certain place right. where she would get and more into working out. I've, and
1: while I don't think that people who have other options. For weight loss that are not diabetic should be using ozempic and drugs like that because there is a shortage. Yeah. And people with diabetic or diabetes actually need that drug. I think that if you're using it as a uh, jump start and you're not staying on it, it's just a, hey, I'm on this for a couple weeks just to kind of get over this hurdle. Right. And then I'm off of it. I think that that's the most healthy way to do it. Um and I, I, applaud, I agree I applaud Emily for for doing it that way and not staying on it because um we uh, saw that Jackie um I, I was about to bring that up she was on a uh, Tamron Hall.
0: Yes. Um Jackie from Jersey. And and I I agree with her point about like it feels like it's an open open season to
1: give someone an eating disorder cuz like Yeah. I mean it, and it because to be clear, what the drug does is it suppresses your appetite. And if you stop taking the drug and you've been on it for a long time and are used to that suppressing your appetite, then you don't know how to eat that same amount anymore. Yeah. And it will then lead to you no know, either ballooning back up, usually to a higher weight than you were before and usually because you're Gaining that weight back so fast it is very unhealthy and damaging. Um, Or the other option is you develop an eating disorder in order to maintain what you were getting. And that's why I, I think that the way that Emily did it was healthy in that it helped her get over a hurdle. But really and truly the way that she lost the weight was a lifestyle change and through working out and doing things the way that you know your body kind of is supposed to do it now I'm I'm not going to sit here and act like losing weight is easy I'm sitting here at over 300 pounds um it's not easy I have not been able to get under 300 pounds since I was in high school um so it's very difficult and But I've also gotten to the point where, like Jackie, I've stopped weighing myself. Yeah. Because at a certain point, it's just a number. You have to get to the point where you are comfortable in your body. And that is what I want for all of these women. Because Shannon very much struggled with that this season. Um, And it's not about weight. It's about how she feels. Because she looks gorgeous. Right. And honestly, I think her first season, she looked too skinny. Shannon's, yeah. So I I hope that she can get more comfortable in the body that she's in, but she's got bigger fish to fry right now with her mental health than worrying about her weight. Sure, and also this hair. (laughs) Uh, This hair. This (laughs) this is lifting weights. Like, this is holy shit. She's
0: like not as big as Teresa's hair for her wedding, but, you know. It's close. Good God.
1: It was. uh, Gina said she looked like a drag queen, which I was like, oh, God. (laughs) I know that we just, like, Recently, in recent years, like reclosed the ozone layer, and it's now the hole is gone. But I think with all of the aerosol that she would used to get that hair like yeah. that, it may have reopened.
0: <laughs> we start with Tamra's package, um, and and talk about all that. Andy asked, "This was so fucking fascinating." I thought Andy asked Tamra where her and Shannon are now, and Tamra goes, "Great," and then Shannon goes, "I mean, I kind of feel like we're back." And Tamara's like, yeah, we, we have our ups and downs. I found that. You said it fake. I found, I found that so fucking odd. And I said it when it was the Trace Amigas on Watch What Happens Live, like post reunion. It felt
1: very forced on Shannon's part. It,
0: there, there was a weird tension yeah. that I couldn't. I was like, I feel there's something I there. I feel
1: like Shannon doesn't trust her. And shouldn't trust her. After
0: this reunion, particularly shouldn't trust her because holy
1: shit, Tamara was throwing Shannon under the bus a lot this reunion. Well, but Tres Amigas were on after the reunion was filmed. That's what I mean. So it probably, the reaction on Watch What Happens Live is probably in reaction to this. Yeah.
0: I found that really fascinating. Um, Andy's like, is she still as self-centered as you thought she was before? And Tamara goes, no, she'll actually text me now and say that, you know, can you please call me? Like, you know, little baby steps. Um, We found out that Eddie is now starting a new supplement company that's going to launch later this year. I think Tamara said um, sort of rebounding from cut closing and that. Um, there was a question to Emily of why she would want to have a friendship with Tamara after all the things that Tamara said in the press over the years. Emily basically says something to the effect of like, you know, we, I just want to clean slate with her. That was the goal. Um, Tamara then goes, in my defense, it was very difficult to watch the show not being on it anymore and hear all the talk about me. It was a huge transition. Heather is nodding as, as Tamara saying this, like in well, agreement.
1: But this is what Heather was talking about in Mexico. Like, why she unfriended everyone when she left the show, because she found it so difficult to see them continuing to be close, continuing to be on the show, and she was ostracized. Yeah. You know? Like, so, of course, she's like, no, I don't want to be watching all that shit on social media anymore.
0: And Gina's like, I understood it, like, with Tamara's, you know, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a viewer question. How do you feel to, uh, to Heather? How do you feel to know you fell right back into a friendship with Tamara? And then she purposely tried to turn the girls against you. And I thought what Heather said was so like Heather came in correct. Uh, she goes, you know, coming in today, I think there would be a case to walk in feeling vindicated. I don't feel that way at all. I feel incredibly sad. And Tamara goes, you know, I feel sad as well. You know, I didn't come into this group to turn people against you. And Heather goes, but literally, there wasn't one episode where you didn't say something unkind about me. And that's so true. And some of, like, I agree. Some of those confessionals in particular from Tamara this season all against Heather were nasty.
1: Yeah. And well, really mean. And what I will also note is that when she is saying that, you can see Heather is shaken by that. Like, look at the, like... Her, yeah. she trem her like lip trembles a little bit, and it's not enough that it was fake. You know what I mean? It, it's very, very clearly a she's trying to control her emotions, and it's like this woman has been villainized and beaten by this group all season, and she is in a lot of fucking pain. Right? It's really sad to see how hurt she has been
0: but she's just too sensitive
1: yeah she doesn't know how to take
0: a joke we'll get to that who um Tamara brings up you know yeah but you know you know with heather's podcast you had a guest on i can't remember if it was you or your guest who said that you know there's basically no place for me on this show emily uh from she speaks bravo brought this up on her podcast and so this is kind of like her theory was right which is like it feels like this is the basis of what kind of played out this season was this podcast that Heather
1: did where this guest said all this nasty stuff about Tammy. Was it a guest or was it her co-host? I thought it was her co-host. Maybe. I can't remember. Yeah.
0: Like, and she goes, and you made a comment saying, and Heather goes, and you made a comment saying that I had called Andy to tell him this, but I just want to assure you, I am such a tiny cog in the Andy Cohen machine. If I have five minutes on the phone with him, I love you. I'm not talking about you.
1: Yeah. Like, why do you think she's so obsessed with you that she spends the very little time that she has talking to the executive producer of Bravo in general, right? To get you off the
0: show or make sure you don't come back, Andy? Andy confirms she never brought this up to me. By the way, Heather never said anything about. Of course she didn't. It. Yeah, and then Tamara goes, "Okay,
1: I get it. It just, it just hurt my feelings," and crap. What? But what hurt your feelings? What did Heather do that hurt your feelings?
0: That she platformed this guy, which it's like, I don't, she can't control what comes out of his mouth. I don't know. And then Heather's like, I understand. I'm sorry about that. I saw a lot of people annoyed that Heather
1: was the first to apologize this reunion. I'm annoyed, but I also understand. Yeah. I understand. She's just like, I'm done. I'm just going to apologize and be done.
0: Right. But it's like. You can feel the way that you feel, Tamara, but your facts were wrong. Right. But I also thought it was so interesting that it was just like it kind of just presented like – and I don't think Tamara realized it. It's like you just gave your motive
1: right, to everything that happened this season. Well, and I think also where Heather is coming from is she wants people to give her the benefit of the doubt. And so regardless of the mountains of evidence against Tamara, she's going to take her at her word and say, you were hurt. Fine. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because that's how I want you to treat me. I want you to give me some modicum of respect as a human and as your friend to believe me when I say I was hurt by this. So I'm going to believe you in this moment. And, and probably going to she probably won't She probably won't get it in return. No, she won't because Tamara's awful.
0: Well, or, or from – I would say from anyone on that Tamara side of the couch – she might
1: give it get it from Emily because Emily has been playing uh, Emily, both sides.
0: Emily's been Emily pissed me off this first half. I'm gonna say it. Emily, in the same way that Gina was pissing me off in the last few episodes, Gina kind of redeemed herself and Emily was really pissing me off. Like Yeah, I I can see that. Um, we then played Jen's package for like Jen's story. Um Andy commends her for being a foster mom and she talks about how you you know, it really fulfilled me when I felt really alone in my marriage. Like it was one thing that kind of filled that void in many ways. Gina then interrupts and goes, I just want to say one thing, by the way, Jen did not destroy her family. Cause they played that clip of Tamar saying that in the package and Tamar goes, no. And I shouldn't have said that. Um, and Gina, like i liked like Gina's rally. Gina was definitely a good ally for Jen in this. And like, I love the way she really stood up for her in many mm-hmm. ways. Um, gina goes i have the same situation in my life and i love what gina said she said and it's okay to shift the family dynamic like obviously don't cheat but like you're not ruining your family if you are unhappy and and you know if you are able yes splitting up a home sucks right but like if you can have a copacetic um, respectful relationship with your ex that you have children with. Right. It doesn't have to be toxic. It doesn't have to be. Da- that's what damaging to the child is. And toxicity
1: re- is the toxicity. Because honestly, I think that what Gina has created with Matt and Travis and Matt's new uh, wife, Brit. girlfriend, girlfriend, um, like those kids now have double the parents. Yeah. They have double the amount of people that love them. And who watch after them and that they can confide in that is net gain for those kids and yes, there is some a little bit of instability there for a couple of years, and there are some there is time where there's animosity and violent words are be thrown thrown back and forth, but at the end of it, those kids are gaining people that love them yeah. And I just I, I love that
0: Gina put it that way because it was such a it broke down why what Tamra said was toxic right that you can leave a relationship and you're not ruining your fucking family like that that's so it's important for so many I was gonna say women but just people to hear right like it's so important. Um, Andy says that they invited Ryan to come and he had declined and asked you know why did he decline why did he not want to be here and Heather goes who blames him. Yeah, I love Heather just being like, "Jesus Christ!" Like he wants to sit in front of this firing squad. Jen goes. He said that if I sit here with Tamara, and if he goes, if she goes at him, and he goes back, he just looks like an asshole for talking to a woman that way. He just said it's a no win for me, and I agree. I actually think that's correct. Yeah, and I th- and, and I, you- I actually commend Ryan for not showing up.
1: While I do believe that he would have every right to go after Tamara the way that he would if he was here. Yeah. I do think that people would tear him apart for it. I don't think that they would be correct. But I do think that they would tear him apart for it. And um, so I agree. Like, I, I think it's just best for him to say, you know what? I told you all everything. Yeah. On the show. And there's discussion later about... I don't need to defend myself anymore.
0: And there's a discussion later about Ryan's character, but I feel like him showing not showing up for the reunion spoke more volumes to his character in a positive way. There wasn't a fucking reunion that Brooks didn't miss. Right. When he was toxic as fuck, when when there were allegations against him abusing Vicky and all this stuff... But there wasn't a fucking reunion that he didn't miss, so much so that he was willing to do a separate sit down with Andy for his last one.
1: Right. Well, and the thing, the the thing that that I immediately thought of is the fact that Juan Dixon never shows up to reunions. Sure. But there's a difference, right? Ryan has been had having his feet held to the fire all season, and number one, he's tired, but number two, he's done the work. Yeah. Right. He's confronted it on camera. Juan has never been held accountable for his bullshit on camera. And the reason he avoided the reunions is to avoid that comeuppance. Yeah. So he knows that if it's just him and um, I know we're talking Potomac now, but it's about to come back, right? It's apropos. Um, If Juan can make it to where it's only ever Juan, Robin, and a producer – he knows he will never have to actually answer for any of his bullshit. Correct. Because Robin will never hold him to it. Right, because it, it's a net positive. For and her Jen to never holds Ryan
0: it. to it on camera multiple times.
1: Right. She doesn't shy away from the topic at all. And he doesn't shy away from it either. Correct. That's I respect him so much for owning every bit of it and not backing down from the conversation and not getting defensive. Like, the one time that I was questioning him was in that scene where he's, like, coming out of the shower. And, yeah. But I then, like, understood where he was coming from and felt like he had valid reason to have a little pushback in that moment. Right. It was like, you need to stop letting Tamra control our relationship. And he said it again in the finale, I think. Yeah, yeah the yeah. finale. He Um, literally told her, you need to stop having her in your ear. Our relationship is between us, right? She's not in this. So get her out of it. Yeah.
0: Andy asked if she thinks she thinks that he will propose. And Jen's like, well, I'm like, he's bought a ring already. It's just a matter of like my divorce. Emily goes, can I ask a question? Do you feel like he was ring shopping for the show? I was annoyed by the question. It's like, what? like i and jen's like no we've already talked about marriage for years it's not like a new thing but also this was the th- the start of emily being moderator emily kept asking questions and sometimes sometimes they were good good questions but like he she was really kind of taking it like it's that married the medicine reunion where right. Quad just became moderator and someone's like quad can you like
1: <laughs> but i think that that's Part of her as a lawyer, right, she's used to pulling the right answers out of a witness on the stand. Mm. And so I think especially someone who, like Gina, who is her closest friend here, um, she's used to having these conversations and these back and forths where Gina doesn't necessarily get to the point, you know, as quickly as she necessarily wants to. But because... Emily understands where she's going she knows I need to give this particular prompt to get out of Gina what Gina is trying to convey right and I think that she's like well I know Gina better than Andy does and I'm gonna know the right question to get the right thing out of her that Gina wants to convey she's trying to help Gina get what Gina needs to get out
0: yeah there's a moment of that later that that was directly that I would say uh, Andy makes a joke and goes, the good news is he loves married women. And I was like, Andy, no, wrong timing. And Andy's like, sorry. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Jen goes, I know my timeline doesn't make sense. And I know you guys all think like I was having sex in cars. I wasn't. And he goes, "Why do you think?" uh, Andy asked Tamara, "Why do you think she was having a physical affair?" And Tamara goes, "You know that you know Ryan sat me and Eddie down while we were in Cabo and told us that she he was having an affair with Jen." That doesn't answer the question. There were so many times where I'm like, "Oh my God!" Tamara just gets away with like not answering the question. The question is not we we all agree they had an affair. That's not a question. The question is you uh, you have been arguing that it was a physical affair that they had sex. And Jen says no, it was entirely an emotional
1: affair. So, what is your evidence of that? Right, like the assertion even is from both Jen and Ryan that they didn't even hold hands right until after after things divorced. Br- yeah. Well, until they had split, they are not. Yet oh, divorced. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I mean. But um, I know at the beginning of the season we were questioning that. But honestly, after this whole season, seeing how honest and open they have been about this whole thing, I don't doubt it. I don't think they ever had physical contact over uh, more than like maybe a shake of the hand or a high five or something like that. I don't think that they were ever inappropriate physically. Yeah. Tamara goes,
0: me and any new Will, and we felt dirty. And Gina goes, but are you Will's friend or are you Jen's friend? Like that, like it's because that was a good question by Gina, where it's like I thought that you met, like you met Jen before you met, Will. like your, your connection is with Jen, not with Will. Right. You may have been later friends with Will, but the, you were friends with Will because you were friends with Jen. So your loyalty is to Jen.
1: Tamara doesn't know what loyalty means.
0: Sure. Jen asked Tamara, like, then when did it shift, like, with this, like, takedown? And Tamara's like, well, when I found out that Ryan was cheating on you. And Gina goes, like, asked ask Jen about it. And Jen goes, we were literally on a break. Shannon goes, he said it was, like, a two week break, though. And Jen goes, it was. Like, I'm not, like, I'm, it is a short break. It was, a, I'm not saying it was, like, this, like, extensive, fucking, you know, extended break, but we had a break. And in that time, he fucked this girl. I don't get why that's crazy. Emily goes, doesn't it worry you that he slept with someone else? Jen goes, well, I didn't love it. Who would? Like, what? like you're... <laughs> and then Heather goes, but why is she being attacked for all of this? And Andy goes,
1: that's a good question. Like, why are we taking it out on Jen? I mean, Ryan's not here. But but, but Ryan's been taking it all season. But, also,
0: but I would argue Jen's been taking it all season wrongly right. as well. Right. Tamara goes, "I feel like she's defending him and I just want better for you." Jen goes, "It is none of your business and it was none of your business to bring me on as your friend." Tamara goes, "I didn't bring you on. We were barely speaking when you got cast." Jen goes, "So what is it? Were we close? We weren't close." And Tamara goes, "We were close."
1: What? Tamara does so much double speak. I I it's so confusing.
0: Jen goes, I was your fucking friend. You're a piece of shit of a friend. And Tamara goes, fuck you. You're the piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. You cheater. I was like, I would have launched across the fucking couch. Like Tam and you can't, again, are you going to blame? Did you take shots before coming out on stage? Are you going to blame this on being drunk and, re- and that you regretted it? Maybe you're just a nasty person, Tamara. Mm hmm. And then, but Jen fires back. You're a fucking cheater too. So welcome to your own fucking club, Tamra. I was like, damn. She took Kelly Dodd's advice. Because yeah. Kelly Dodd said on her podcast, which I don't listen to. I just saw a clip. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't bear it. Um, about like, that's what Jen should have said. She should have said, you fucking cheated on Simon with Eddie. And so she lays this out. She like basically that like when you met Eddie, you were with Simon, which Vicky has brought up years ago at that one reunion. It's been kind of an unknown. There's photos of Eddie, Tamra, and Simon together because
1: Simon and Eddie were friends at one point. Well, and Simon did a interview with radar online about finding them together in a compromising position. It wasn't sexual, but it was definitely like to where they were having like an intimate moment. And it was like, okay, like you cheated. Yeah. Tamara
0: realizes Tamara, once Jen brings this up about the Eddie Simon thing, Tamara diverts. And Tamara goes, I don't care you're a cheater. I don't give a shit. And Jen goes, well then quit telling me I'm a fucking cheater. And then Tamara goes, well then stop calling me names. And Jen goes, I said you're a shitty friend and you are. And Tamara goes, well you're a shitty person. What? Yeah, shitty, like, she has nothing. Like, like, yeah, Jen's a real shitty person. Like, you know, who gets yelled at all fucking season and just, you know, takes it. Yeah, she's the shitty person. Because I would have beat her
1: ass by now. Like, <laughs> several times. Yeah. Tam- I would have beat her ass the second that fucking napkin came across the table.
0: Tamara says that, you know, Emily and Gina, you know, confronted uh, you, you at first. It wasn't me doing it. And that, you know, I told Jen, just be honest. And then... Tamara brings up the text messages that she got that Ryan had sent to this girl while they were at this concert in San Diego. The naked in my bed thing, right? Jen's like, I've seen all of these text messages. Tamara printed them, pulls them out, and gives them to Andy to read. That is so fucking nasty. Don't tell me that you care. Like, this isn't about that you care about Jen and are worried for her because she is with a bad boyfriend. You wouldn't be doing shit like this.
1: Because if Jen is already saying, I've seen those, then why bring out.
0: Why? What? She's not denying. she. That's, my, that's a crazy thing. She's like, Will, you're lying. You're hiding
1: things. Jen is literally not denying that the text messages exist. Like, she's not going to. Did you expect her to come on the season and just, like, list, like, the first day, like, Hey, so this is what happened, and he sent these text messages, and then there was this dick pic on Snapchat, and then all the things and all the stuff. Um, and therefore, like, I mean, I guess you can do that. Monica did it pretty successfully. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I, I, what do you expect from it's just her? You, you
0: like well, there's three months of text, and you know she at one point he says you know we, if she gets asked him if he they're in a committed relationship and he says no, and she sent a sexy photo she again she's not denying she's fine with it she's forgiven him whatever there's like what are you're beating a dead horse yeah, there's
1: nothing like revealing here well she's beating a dead horse that was not hers to begin with right like. Why are you even after this horse? This horse is not in your pasture. It, was, <laughs> it never belonged to you. Why are you angry? Yeah.
0: Andy asked Shannon about how she felt about Tamara's handling of the Jen stuff, which I thought was a good question. And then Shannon goes, I mean, in Cancun, I was sitting right next to her going, stop. This is too much because it's hard enough to hear gossip at a brunch table. And then Tamra goes, but is this after you were at the pool party saying, can we dig up more? fully throwing Shannon under the bus and then just backing over it.
1: But if that's true, it needed to be out. I there. think it is true, but it, I mean,
0: if we, one thing for Emily or Gina to bring it up, it's another thing for Tamra to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Shannon goes, you know, you know, I wasn't saying dig up more. And then Emily goes, you did say that, Shannon. I was standing right there, and I heard you. You keep acting like you're the hero, and the only person up here who cares about Jen, and that's bullshit. You wanted to dig. You said, it's so juicy. We have to get it on camera. We have to talk about it. And Gina's like, yes, she absolutely said that.
1: And that is so fucking hypocritical, considering how— She was like, well, we can't talk about our relationship on camera. And then she literally breaks the fourth wall like eight times this season to get off camera so that she doesn't have to. But
0: also tries to empathize with Jen and be like, I know your situation, blah, 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 all that. She goes, Jen, you can believe what you want. I have only shown you I've supported you. And Gina goes, yeah, I'm giving her a track record. You just go ahead and make your decision. She goes, I don't have a track record. I'm trying to screw people, Gina. That's you. What? Uh, this is, sorry, but uh, Emily then asked about like the dick pic story. And then Jen goes, you know, can, she's like, can I ask about it? And Jen goes a hundred percent. Why does she have it? Meaning Tamra, like, why does she have the dick pic? And Tamara goes, I was with Heather Amin when she got it. And Jen goes, and did you screen grab it? How'd you get that? Which.
1: Such a good question. Jen was on point. Like, I can understand why Heather Amin would screen grab it so that she can then take that back to Jen. But there's no reason to send it. There's no reason to send that to Tamara.
0: Yeah, Tamara goes, yeah, it was screen grabbed. And Jen goes, that's fucked up. If her husband, pointing to uh, Heather, if her husband accidentally sent me that, she's the first call I get. It's off my
1: phone. That shows me so much about who you are. Right, because it had nothing to do with concern for Jen. It had to do about gathering evidence. Because she
0: didn't bring it up even to Jen until months later in Montana. Right. And, she, and Tamara goes, I didn't send the dick pics. Stop protecting this piece of shit. Uh, yeah. Tamara then at one point goes, who the fuck sends dick pics on Snapchat at 47 years old? And Andy goes, well, I mean, and Tamara goes, you do. And Andy goes, excuse me.
1: We know Andy does. Andy has said he does not use Snapchat okay. Did you he getting Instagram DMs? I guess. Look, we want to be on Watch What Happens Live at some point, but there have been pictures that float around. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah. Tamara is, you know, and yes, do you think Ryan's not good enough for her? And Tamara's like, it's just, I feel, you know, I don't think she's perfect. And Emily goes, I can say it. I don't think she's, I don't think Ryan's good enough for you. I, you know, I think you're a smart, beautiful girl. This was in the bonus extended version, mm. um, which you didn't watch by the way, but I'll right. tell you what happened. I thought this was interesting. Jen then tells Emily, because Emily is basically like, I don't think Ryan's good enough for you. Jen tells Emily, can I give you an analogy of something I wanted to say to you? And Emily goes, sure. Jen goes, because I'll tell you, you're so smart. I love you how you, how you love your marriage. I love the mom that you are. If I met you and said, gosh, Emily, Shane was a really shitty husband to you. I just think he's a piece of shit. You're so much better than him. That would be shitty because I don't know Shane. Shane doesn't show that. You don't tell me that. Why can't you meet me in the relationship I'm in now? It's just what you're hearing from other people, right? Like, I thought that laid it out perfectly. Yeah, and then em- but Emily's like, I don't think you can compare Shane and Ryan personally. Emily says that there's two different times she shopped at Target. Where people have come up to her and told her that Ryan is a bad guy and is like the horror of Newport. Emily goes, "I don't think he has integrity. I don't think he's a good person." Which I was like, "That seems really fucking harsh, Emily." When have
1: you spent any time with him, really?
0: Yeah, I I thought that was really too bold of a statement to make. Yeah, and she ba- they basically all come to the consensus that like, you look whatever. She she has to figure it out. It's not on us to diagnose it. It's not on us to, like, fucking do whatever. Like, she loves him. That's all that fucking matters. Yeah. Um. Andy asked a question. Do you think he ha- has a thing for married women? And Jen goes, no. And Andy goes, do you like his denim jackets? And Jen goes, I love him. And he rocks it and he owns it. Which I kind of thought was a shady answer. But... I thought it was, it's fine. Yeah. Tamara says that she apologizes to Jen. But then she goes, it just made me so upset that you knew all of this stuff and tried to protect him. And you were trying to make me look like a liar. And that's what made me upset. And I'm sorry. Jen goes, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. I love that she didn't thank her for the apology or give an apology back. Yeah. Because that was such a bullshit fucking apology. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's just that you call me a liar and that you're a liar, and blah blah blah. I'm supposed to say thank you i i i i i, I don't think Jen is going to be as close to Tamara next season oh I don't, I
1: don't i don't I don't think so either
0: um Taylor then comes out to join the rest of the cast. Heather goes, whispers to Gina, oh my God, she's been shitting all over me in the press like <laughs> Yeah. I, I will say I love Taylor's outfit for this reunion, the sort of like rainbow um like sort of like where it bleeds in and all that stuff, like latexy. And I I like her hair. I like it too. I think I think it looks good on her. Um Andy asked Aunt Taylor about that drunk video before the reunion. This is gonna be the dirtiest reunion. Here's
1: the orange. Like it it's uh and what's funny is I didn't realize that that happened before the reunion tape. I thought it happened after.
0: No. <laughs> no, that was her preview. She was like, "Get ready." <laughs> Jeez. We then see Heather's package of her stuff. I love Heather eye rolling at Terry's $55 million comment that being not just fuck you money but fuck everyone you know money. She's like, "Terry, for fuck's sake." Like, <laughs> he's, he's right, so obnoxious. Though um heather uh andy asked heather about the stroke that terry had um a couple weeks before the reunion um and she relays it even further in the bonus um extended version basically she's like i had to chase him around beverly hills in like an uber for like an hour because like he was so adamant that he was fine and she also talks in the extended like that's the one thing also with strokes that people can get like belligerent and like very like and that also him being a doctor. It's like doctors are the worst patients, so they're like, I'm fine, oh, I'm yeah. fine, I'm fine. And then like he was like, We got to the hospital eventually after chasing him and then the doctor showed him the thing, he's like, I had a fucking stroke.
1: And she's like, I know. I watched it happen.
0: Yeah. And she's basically like, if and she breaks down like the type of stroke it is and how like you have a hole in your heart, so when like you have a clot, it can basically like tr- move out and then go into the brain. And she's basically like the 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 scariest part about it is like I found that I caught this at dinner because he was slurring his speech, and you know I knew the signs or whatever. If I didn't catch it, if he w- if that moment happened when he was like in the bathroom or when we were sleeping, we would have gotten him to a flight in- to New York the next day because they were going to do Watch What Happens Live, and then we he would have gotten another clot and he would have died in the plane. Yeah, and it's just like, shit. That's like, and and you can tell on. And she jokes about that, like, you know. I haven't fully processed this yet. And like, she jokes about like, I've scheduled my breakdown for after the reunion, which is, but I, you can tell at this, she is still grappling with it. Yeah. You can really tell when she's speaking that it's, it was such a traumatic experience for her.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, she understands that when she does have her breakdown about it, it's going to be something that she doesn't recover from for a while. And she knew that she wouldn't be able to do this reunion. If she let herself go there.
0: And it was already such a hard season for her. Yeah. Yeah. I love Andy's like, what's the lesson to learn? And they all in unison go, listen to your wife. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Taylor talks about how the, they were halfway through finishing the movie, but because of the writer's strike, they had to pause and stuff like that. Um, The question is asked about Heather being dismissive. Taylor talks about like, you know, you know, I was really excited to have you in the movie. Like, I sent photos, uh, texted them to her of the set, and I said, like, it's being filmed in Oklahoma. And Heather replied, where's Oklahoma? And <laughs> I love Heather going, I'm not Magellan. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm very bad at directions. But saying like that is, you know, it's not like, where's Oklahoma? Like, it's not condescending. And I agree that I don't think Heather meant it condescending. I think, she, I honestly thought when I Taylor relayed that, I thought she was saying it in the sense of, like,
1: we're in Oklahoma. That's kind of what I thought, too. It's like, okay, well, you say Oklahoma. Oklahoma's a big place. Like, are you talking Tulsa? Are you talking, like, Oklahoma City? Where Where are we talking?
0: Yeah. But Heather apologizes to Taylor for offending her and says that she wasn't trying to be condescending at all. Um, Annie then says, Tamara, you were the one that said that Heather hasn't worked since the 1900s. Why didn't you fess up to it? Tamara goes, you know, me and Taylor, we talked about how great your career was, and we laughed because I accident- no, no you, yeah she like I accidentally said nineteen hundreds and that's what we were laughing about. We weren't making fun of you. that is such gaslighting bullshit. we've seen the clip you not just the and, and not just the clip from the dinner well, two here's why it's gaslighting. one, you were saying to Heather that Taylor was making fun of you your career at the dinner in Montana. Right. Just that Taylor was doing it. And then Taylor sold your ass out. Right. And so it wasn't that you were just complimenting her career. Two, you then proceeded to shit talk like her IMDB and her career throughout the entire rest of the fucking season in confessionals.
1: Yep.
0: So don't tell me that you were like, thought that she had this amazing fucking career. That's such horseshit. Um, Shannon goes, but Heather, you can also look at it as they were reviewing a list of all of your accomplishments. Shannon stop! like, stop defending her. Heather breaks it down. Tamara, can you imagine if I said to you, wow, only nine years of the gym. I mean, it's no Equinox. How much money did you lose in there? And then Tamara goes, well, you know what? I'm secure in myself
1: that I would be like, whatever. Bullshit.
0: No, you fucking, you would rip their head
1: off. You would launch a decade long crusade against her ruining her life, making sure that you put her in the ground. Like You would not stop until that woman was dead from a nervous breakdown.
0: Yeah. Taylor then starts to call out Tamara and goes, Heather and I stood at the bar and we were moving past it and then you dragged her into the bathroom and stirred the fucking pot by bringing up the whole IMDB thing again. And Tamara goes, because I was checking on her. I didn't know I had to invite you. Like, it was so... but Like, uh... This this should be a lesson to everyone on Tamra's side of the couch. She will sell you out in a fucking minute.
1: It... For for literally nothing. Yeah. Because she didn't get any gain from it.
0: And then Taylor then confronts Heather and goes, You told me fuck you. Right before that, you called me anti-female. And I want to clear that up right now. I work tirelessly for women and children of domestic abuse. I've raised millions of dollars for domestic violence shelters all over the country. So don't you ever call me anti-female because that is bullshit. Before you get into why that's, you hated that, which I agree with. Mm. I, the part where you said, I raised millions of dollars for domestic I just heard Sonia. <laughs> I raised millions of dollars for the LGBT. (laughs) Go
1: ahead. Tell you, um, talk about why Taylor was fucked up for that. So there is a stark difference between saying you are anti-woman or anti-female, which she didn't say. yeah, And saying this thing that you did was anti-female, which you did do and you were for doing it. Right. Like, I literally have gotten yelled at for saying you're being – this was literally in a professional setting, not in my current job. Like, got yelled at for telling someone you are being stupid right now Mm. because I personally believe that they were smarter than the argument that they were making, and the argument that they were making was extremely transphobic, and I was calling them out for that. But I got in trouble – For calling this person stupid.
0: And it's not what you said.
1: That's not what I said. I said you are being stupid right now. Because she's smarter than the stupid argument she was making. It was literally a I believe better for you. I believe you are better than this. Be better than this. Yeah.
0: And that was Heather's point. Uh, Yeah. Heather goes, well, then you know what, then you know what, don't put down another woman's career and be supportive. Taylor's like, I felt like I was being more supportive than anyone offering you a role where you were going to be the lead and
1: I was going to be your underling. And then Tamara brings up. But you didn't have the right to (laughs) offer her the role. Correct.
0: Tamara goes, At Montana in the airport, you said, oh, my God, I just ran into a producer I used to work with. I looked at her and said to me, get me off this fucking show. How's that supposed to make us feel? And Heather cops that she said that and was basically just like the shit was already being stirred up about like, you know, all this like attacks on me and stuff like that. And I was fed up and I said it because I was fed up. And? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, Tam was like, when there's constantly comments like that, you have to wonder. And Heather goes, there aren't constantly comments.
1: There was one comment then and another comment in Mexico where I'm done with the show. That was it. Those are the only two things. And it was like, yeah, she was at her wits end because you wouldn't let up. Yeah.
0: Emily goes, can I ask a question, which is her new favorite phrase, this reunion? Can I ask a question? You just said, don't put down another woman's career. So when Tamara was talking shit about me being an attorney in Montana, did you did you take up for me? Are we doing this again that it's Heather's fault for not but you're never gonna hold Tamara to account for
1: it? So number one, she did. Heather corrected her in that moment. So Heather if does, you look back at the at the clip, she says, No, she's an attorney. Yeah. She corrects Tamara. But even there, Heather says, I probably should have more. Like Right. But also Heather's not the one that said it. But, like, it's
0: one thing if you feel that that Heather should have done more. But it's one thing to only talk about that
1: and never get mad at Tamara for it. Right. Like, let's – perfect example. Let's talk about, for a second, what happened on Atlanta with the whole um, ghetto comment from Courtney. Right. And Candy was angry at Sonya. For not standing up for her. Rightfully so. But then she let that go. And her focus was on Courtney for saying the thing. Yeah, exactly. We never get to that. She didn't dwell on Sonya for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: A viewer question gets asked that it seems obvious that everyone is jealous of Heather and what Heather's thoughts are. And Heather goes, I don't subscribe to that word. To be honest, I ask myself a lot what happened this season because I really do always want to be a better person. As Heather's talking, Shannon goes, Too much talking. Heather goes, Excuse me? And Shannon goes, No, I'm sorry. I had to go to the bathroom for a long time and I'm like dying. This was, that was so rude. I'm, I, Shannon was so fucking rude this reunion and like, yeah, and I love Shannon. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, Shannon? Like, like, I
1: mean, Ramona just got up and walked away when she needed to go pee. Just get up and walk away. <laughs> if yeah. you have to pee that bad,
0: go. Emily goes. I this. I was fed up with Emily when she said this. Do you think maybe the reason you feel isolated is because you are offended all the time about everything everyone does and says? Fuck you, Emily. And she – what what pissed me so much off about this is that her tone was of if she was trying to present something to fix the problem, but the content of the words were so, like, mean right, and, like, cutting. And Heather goes, I'm not offended by everything everyone does and says. And then Emily goes, I think that's a lot of the problem, and maybe if you lightened up a little bit and were able to laugh at yourself a little bit more, Heather goes, okay, okay. That's such horse shit. I'm sorry, Emily. You're so wrong on that. You guys are the ones offended by everything every everything that Heather does. Not five, Heather doesn't Heather literally lets things be done to you that she just internalizes and and fucking like powers through it. You get so offended by Heather's pure existence. Like your best friend, Emily Gina, was offended. That Heather had the gall, the the audacity to when Gina told her that she was getting into real estate to mention, oh my god, my son Nick, he's getting into real estate, and she was so fucking offended by that. But Heather's the one that takes offense to everything. Like you guys, I swear. The only thing that
1: Heather has taken offense to is when you assholes directly attack her.
0: Yeah, it's so (laughs) obvious. Taylor's like. You know, before I go, like, Heather, like... You know, I felt like we did leave in a really good place in Tulum. You know, and I felt and I was ge- very genuine in that moment. I want you to know that. And Heather's like agrees, and it's like, yeah, I was really thankful that you were there. But Taylor, everything that you said was very punitive, and you continue to do that in your social media. I would appreciate it as a coworker and someone who's a fellow actor to maybe please stop doing that. Taylor goes, I would like for you and I to review what those things are and th- that have been said on social media. Heather goes, Okay, well, you can look in your archives. Uh, the one thing in the extended version that, um, he missed, it wasn't super important. There was like a compilation of all the times they talk about sex. Um, and, and he's like, so I think Tamra's boobs have been out pretty much every season, right? How, and like, he literally played a game of like, how many seasons have Tamra's boobs been out? And they're like seven, but it's all the seasons after you left Simon. So it's, it's like, I mean, yeah, that's fair. Um. We then – so th- at this point in the main version, we get a commercial break. When we come back from commercial break, we get, see a black thing with white letters that say, The Real Housewives of Orange County reunion was filmed 10 days prior to Shannon Storms Bedore's DUI arrest.
1: I thought it was interesting they put it here and not in the beginning of the episode. I think it's because, because of the foreshadowing with the Gina stuff.
0: I think it's also the fact that Shannon keeps saying that she doesn't remember things.
1: Yeah, I think it's that. I think it's also because Shannon is shown drinking on the on the reunion. Like there's a lot of different things that are that are good context, yeah. but I think the reason that it's put here is because it is specific to this conversation about Gina's DUI. And,
0: and Gina makes the comment and they show it in the package, that confessional of her being like, if you can, if you say such nasty fucking
1: things and you don't even remember that you say it, you need to check yourself in the fucking rehab. And when you get to the part where you need to make amends, call me and And I'll be fucking waiting. It's so good. Uncensored. That, that, that confessional by Gina
0: uncensored is so good. The way she punctuates the fuck. Is like so, oh, I bet you,
1: her screaming later at Tamra is really great. You
0: really get the anger, or no, Sh- Shannon. 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 You really get the anger in how Gina was feeling in that confessional. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. Um, the topic comes up about Gina's reaction to Jen's affair. Emily asks, "Do you think like not drinking Gina like probably allowed you to go through those emotions that you didn't go through previously?" And uh, Gina explains that 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 was a big part of it. Annie asked about the comment that she made that the infidelity stuck with her more than the domestic violence. And I thought Gina said was interesting. She goes, you know, it's not like you find out an affair and then it's done. That's only when it starts. And it's like pure hell for a very long time. And then she goes this on to say that to me, what happened that night was not Matt talking about the domestic violence. And I don't look at him as that person. I think he lost his way. And then I have guilt. And then it's all exposed. Like, it's very complicated. And I agree because I th- I saw some people feeling like she was giving him a pass on the domestic violence thing, and I get on the face how that looked on the season, but I don't think that's what it is. And I th- I'm glad that she explained it in this way.
1: And and honestly, before I started working in survivorship yeah. and this sort of field, I would have agreed with the people who were critiquing this point of view. But number one you need to listen to the survivor and how they are dealing with it and how they are contextualizing it. Right. Number two, in a situation of of domestic violence, you have to remember that men are conditioned to not express emotions unless they are anger or horniness. Yeah. And so... It is no, like, no surprise that the biggest issue with toxic masculinity revolves around violence and sex. Yeah. And so, like, you you have to realize that society creates these problems. It is not a problem of this is a bad person. It is a problem Of this person has had so much put on to them that they don't have any other way to respond. And if he is given tools, that that is not to, to remove blame. Right. No, I know what you're saying. But if you can give him tools and give him the avenue to then express what he's feeling in the moment in a way that is not violent in a way that is acknowledging his anger in a constructive way, we avoid violence. This is a a big thing within um, the anti-violence field, which is where I work. Like, you have to acknowledge that there is rehabilitation possible. Yeah. That there is an ability to prevent further violence by training toxic masculinity out of men right and it is difficult to do but i think acknowledging the fact that that moment does not define matt is a big step on gina's part and the rest of us have no business questioning her point of view on that right because she, she the is the person who survived that moment? Yeah. Not us.
0: Um, Heather is asked about her advice that she gave Gina about not talking to Travis about her feelings about the whole Matt stuff. Uh, Heather goes, First of all, I haven't had a boyfriend in almost 30 years, by the way. In my day, you didn't talk about your ex to your current, but it wasn't negative against like Travis. And Gina's like, And I knew you meant well, which I, I feel like she knows now.
1: I, I honestly think in the tractor, she knew she meant well. Sure. So, and I she. Think w- she ruminated on it and probably had somebody else in her ear Tamar. about it and it morphed how she felt yeah i can see that
0: um they talk about the watch what happens live skirt drama with shannon and gina and how that broke out over social media this isn't a bonus scene um gina gina was like they they kind of go back and forth about it. Gina's like, I meant it as a joke on my end, and then like Shannon went back like real hard about it. But I like that Gina was like, "Look, I'll cop to it though that I threw the first stone." So I and I appreciated right. that because I did felt like Gina played victim online about it. But I I, I appreciated her saying, "I made the dig first. I initiated. Like right. whether my intention came, whether my intention came off correctly or not with it, like I can own that. I appreciated that." Um Andy goes, Shannon, at last year's reunion, you point blank said to Gina, I will never bring up the DUI ever again. And I was like, Oh, I forgot she did that. Well. Yeah, that's bad. And Andy goes, So why bring it up again? And Shannon goes, Because again, I didn't remember that I did it. And Gina goes, She was drunk and angry at me.
1: I mean, so yes, I agree that the person today does not remember. We're, we're going to go with that narrative. Sure. So Shannon doesn't remember saying it. Fine. Shannon still said it.
0: And Shannon so knows now
1: she said it. Knows now. that. But the thing is, is in that moment, she was still Shannon and she still made the decision to say that. So even if you don't remember making that decision, can you think of why you would have said that in that moment well, after she... making that
0: She gets to it, but she feels it's justified, which is crazy. Tamara goes, my question is, why did you get so mad at Jen for saying it to Gina when it was said on camera? Again, Tamara throwing Shannon under that bus. Why did she feel that way? Because you were in her ear whispering about it.
1: Also, I understand if we are to believe that Shannon didn't remember it. I would absolutely be angry at Jen because why the fuck are you saying I said that? I I but have don't... made the promise that I would never say that. And I don't remember saying that. <sighs> so why why would I not be mad at Jen? Because Jen is the one, as far as I know. Yeah.
0: I, I think we're giving I, I understand I think we're giving Shannon too much of the benefit of the doubt that she didn't remember.
1: Sure, but we have no evidence to control to Combat that just as she gave like an Angie k level acting job when <laughs> sure we can believe what we're gonna believe, yeah. and that's fine, but evidence wise that's all we have,
0: but that at the at the reunion, Shannon then says, I felt that referring to Jen, I felt that as soon as you sat down there, you were like, 'Okay, I'm gonna do my job, and I'm gonna start stirring the pot and Jen has a look on her face, like, What I didn't even bring it up at the table, yeah. Jen's like, I'm not a potster. Do you think I'm a potster, Shannon? And Shannon goes, I, I, I do think you were. Jen is literally the polar opposite of a
1: potster. Well, and you can you can tell here that this was a prepared, planted, yeah, response and. The second she's challenged, she doesn't know how to respond because it's not even her thought.
0: She's, well, it's either not even her thought or maybe it is and she's just looking for an excuse. I believe at a certain point. I don't know if all of this is Tamara.
1: I, I think it is. I think whether it is directly or tangentially, it's Tamara.
0: Tamara does pull – we cut to Tamara, though, and she does pull a look on her face, which is almost like I'm getting away with this. Yeah. But I think getting away with – like like Shannon is so willing to just like not hold Tamara accountable that it's like – yeah. Um, Andy asked Gina if she ever got an apology. And Gina goes, I have not. And Shannon goes, I said it at the table at the pumpkin patch. And Gina goes, But you didn't even acknowledge that you said it at the pumpkin patch. And Shannon goes, because Gina, I don't remember, I do not remember saying it, but I do want to be very clear. When I made that statement, I wasn't saying that your kids would be put in the system and taken away from you. It was, had you had been arrested and an adult wouldn't have been present, there wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have left your children there. How do you not remember it, but know exactly what you meant when you said it?
1: I will say that that is the same argument that I made a few weeks ago. When this was coming up, because if there were no other adults, CPS right, would that, have been called. But that's
0: my, that's fine. But my point is that's convenient for Shannon to say now. Sure. One hundred percent. Um, Shannon goes, I was told by Heather, you were discussing my relationship. I was freaking pissed off at you. I have, I don't like
1: you. We don't get along. Well, good of you to finally acknowledge that. But like, what? where's the apology? Where's the Gina? I'm
0: sorry for saying that she keeps making like, and she just keeps repeating this. I apologize to the pumpkin patch. No, you didn't. Like, is this cause you were drunken for forgot? I just like, it's, I can't, I can't accept that because that's yeah. just sad. Yeah. Like what? It, I just have to accept the, the idea that like Shannon just is unwilling to apologize for this, which is just stupid. Like just apologize. Yeah. Gina then pulls the big trump card on her and goes, "What are my children's names?" And Shannon goes, "Sienna." And 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 Gina goes, "Yes." And Shannon goes, "Um, well, well, now I'm now I'm blanking." And Andy's face was like, "That's like, yeah." Gina got her there good.
1: This rant is
0: beautiful. Gina goes, never talk about my children again, Shannon. I've known you for six years. You don't even know my kids' names. And you're going to drop a bomb about CPS. It is completely inaccurate. It is so inappropriate. You are so out of bounds right here, Shannon. And for you to have anything right now other than I'm sorry for my behavior. And, And Shannon goes, was it an unkind thing I said about CPS? Yes. And then Gina goes, you should have never said it. You're worried about everybody talking about the things that you're talking about in your relationship. You can't, you can make up circumstances from the past regarding my children, my children. And the way she just like punctuates that. And then Shannon goes, oh, keep screaming, Gina. Shannon. It, it's bad. That's so fucked up. Also, so they cut a commercial here. And I don't know if this was on the main show. This is definitely on the Peacock extended version. They include that gra- the the normal graphic they post of if you have an alcohol or drug abuse uh-huh. problem, call this hotline.
1: Right. Whatever. I was like, fuck. Yeah, it was like it was on. I think it was on there.
0: Yeah, Gina goes. I will scream as much as I want because this is who you are. You are the woman that gets proven that you did a shitty thing and you don't just lay down and say you're sorry. And Gina goes. Uh, Gina, Andy asked, what was your reaction, Shannon, when you watched the thing? And Shannon goes, you can see from my reaction, I was horrified. Gina goes, so why didn't you text me? Like you watched the episode and you didn't respond to, you didn't contact Gina at all to apologize? Emily's like, when it aired, that was your opportunity to reach out. And Gina goes, this was the opportunity for you to be a kind person. Shannon goes, do you want me to go through the list of the things and the kind things that I've done for you? And I'm like, Shannon, this isn't like, she's,
1: (laughs) this is not tit for tat.
0: The way that Shannon just walks into a point, like Gina is literally critiquing you for holding nice things against her. And you're going to be like, well, here's all these nice things. She. Gina goes, Shannon, you gave me a phone number for me to use four and a half years ago, and then you have used it as a weapon ever since. And Shannon's like, I invited you out all the time when you were single, when you had left Matt before you got with Travis, with my friends who you you say don't exist, because she's still mad about that from last season. Mm. Gina continues on about how Shannon uses nice things as a weapon. Shannon goes, because you keep painting me out to be this horrible person. You're showing you're a horrible person. That's why, Shannon's mentality of just like everyone's saying setting a narrative and everyone's saying I'm 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 such a bad person.
1: Nobody but, needs a narrative. You are showing it. You are literally on this platform in front of these fucking cameras, showing us you're an awful person. Nobody needs to talk about it. We can see it with our own eyes. It's like it's like
0: Tamara was doing it with Jen, but we saw that with Jen and we watched her and we realized that's bullshit. Right. If you just weren't not a terrible person in this moment, then that would make more sense. And you would have more of an argument to stand on there. But in the process of you trying to prove you are not a terrible person, you are acting so terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Shannon, Annie asked about the comment that she made about Travis's penis. And Shannon's like, I heard it like three years ago, You know, but I was just mad about the discussion of my relationship. And then Gina goes, instead of coming to me and saying, are you saying these things and having a conversation with me, you just chucked my boyfriend under the bus, chucked me as a parent, and you were only worried about yourself. It crosses a line. Emily makes the point to tell Shannon, like, as a mother, like, that is one of the most harmful things that you – kinds of comments that you can make about, like, the CPS stuff. It's yeah. it's nasty. Um, Emily goes I feel like right now You're being so defensive instead of just saying You know what Gina I completely fucked up And then Gina goes off and goes my, and starts bawling and goes, my kids are this close to being on social media. You put clickbait out there. Gina, mom, CPS, children almost taken away. My children, for them to see that and get hurt by that, and you don't even know their names. This is a wound that has stayed with me, and it will stay with me. You have crossed the line to the point where I don't even know if I can honestly even continue to do this. And that's the big cliffhanger. That leaves off the episode, which like Gina sped fire like that whole yeah. last bit. It was like I was like rooting her ass on. I saw so many like, cause Gina gets a lot of haters on Twitter. Like, I saw a lot of people being like, fuck, I am Team Gina. How the fuck did that happen?
1: Yeah. I've been Team Gina from the beginning and I would like to point that out. You're like, welcome to the club. So welcome to the club. Um, we have a roster over here. There's buttons, t shirts. Um, but yeah, um, Oh, uh, ba- I,
0: I I am a sad Shannon Bador fan. Cause this was not, and it made me sad with the situation, like with the, with her DUI and all, it's just like, fuck she is. It, it does really feel like a rock bottom
1: in yeah. many ways. And I- like well, I mean, it clearly wasn't because 10 days later. Well, I mean, now, I mean, like, we're at the point now, like, in oh, real okay. time. Yeah. Like,
0: with this and how it's airing and how it's, it's like, I think a lot, I now I see a lot of people saying, I think Shannon needs a pause. Yeah. Like, I think she needs to get her life back together and, yeah. like, actually do the work. <laughs> yeah. It sucks. It really, really sucks. Um, but that was OC. We'll get part two, the final part next week um we're gonna take a quick commercial break and then when we come back we're talking the newest episode of survivor 45 don't go anywhere well hello friends i'm your pal on the mainstream media and uh, And i'm the riz and you know
1: riz it takes years of strenuous dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring
0: but it takes even more time develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling, am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find
1: that? Yes. On a wrestling man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud
0: to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild... Like, accountability
1: is love, and toxicity is not on the menu. To
0: a little more spicy.
1: Like, one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice, now. Which has a cute little happy flower on it. Welcome back to Again is MB. Let's head on over to Fiji where we see a continued path of failure lead all the way to ponderosa on survivor 45 survivor 45 for this week um
0: i will say I, I feel i have a feeling like after this episode going in now to next episode and beyond i'm like okay this is where the season next are gonna play out it's like we got the it's like we got these two dead weights and we got them out in quick succession and now we can
1: uh, fix everything i will say i do like brandon i
0: don't hate him either
1: i just don't think I think he just didn't realize the pressure that was going to be on him trying to do those puzzles. (laughs) And so, like, even though I do believe he is a puzzle guy, I don't think that he realized how difficult it was going to be to do it on a time clock, to do it under that pressure, and it just made him flounder. Yeah. But
0: do you also think that there is a tendency for, like, if you're not a physical competitor, sometimes to just kind of default and say, like,
1: well, I'm a puzzle guy. I mean, maybe, but, like, I'm also a puzzle guy, and I'm not... But you genuinely are. Yeah, but, like, I think that I defaulted to that because I wasn't physical. Yeah. Like, I'm somebody who is strong physically. Like, I have a lot of upper body strength, but I don't think I would do particularly well in physical parts of challenges. Right. Like, but I'm also not trying to be on Survivor. That's the key. We <laughs> like, know I our just, limits. Like, we know our limits. Like, I'm not trying to be out there. So, I mean, I, I do follow Brandon on Twitter. I really enjoy him, and I think he's a really great person. I just think that maybe just because you're a Survivor fan does not mean that you are right to be on Survivor.
0: Correct. Um, Speaking – so, no more cold opens. Uh, we're getting the previous on whatever recap thing, which is new, and we finally get the intro, the old intros with like everyone's title cards and the the music, which I was missing sorely
1: missing. Yeah,
0: and I I still say they need to retroactively put them all on Paramount Plus
1: uh-huh. with the intros.
0: Um, Lulu is returning to camp from Tribal Council. We see a lot of Emily, like you know, trying to do damage control. She's like apologizing for sounding like she was attacking them. And, like, that she, you know, was just she's like, I'm just struggling to make inroads with people. Sabaya's not having it in the early goings. And she's like, it doesn't necessarily give you the right to point guns at us. I was kind of offended. I'm not going to lie. I feel like she kind of wanted to say, because you went after the two black people. Like,
1: like well, you went after the two black people and then thought the other person <laughs> was the Asian guy.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's that. Emily's, like, has a... Is, com- he,
1: is Sean Asian? I don't know. I didn't want to... Uh, well, I, I don't know. I know that there's <laughs> other people. I think. Oh no, it was Brando who's Asian. I don't know. I can't tell just by looking at people, and nobody can. And this is why you shouldn't assume somebody's race. <laughs>
0: Emily Emily then says, "You know, I feel gaslit." <laughs> it says this straight Girl. to them because you know I know I knew that you guys were coming for me. So like, I feel like you set yourself up to like not be liked, which I think yeah. She and she eventually starts to learn that. You know, yeah, going forward, which I did like. Like I will talk about it later. Growth, growth. <laughs> um, and Sabaya is just like you know we could both feel how we feel, and that's okay. And but doesn't leave on a good page with with Emily, and so Emily's frustrated. Um, we go over to Reba. Uh, Sifu is doing
1: Tai Chi. Again, not Mcify- McIntyre. Like, McIntyre? Really? Really, Merlin? McIntyre. Not Reba McIntyre. No, not Reba McIntyre. I, I tried to make a joke and it took up like 20 minutes of the fucking podcast. Anyway, continue. <laughs> anyway, so
0: Sifu is like doing his Tai Chi. He's like, it's so embarrassing. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, It's bad. He's talking about how he can like punch trees and not feel it and then he's just like doing these like random like dives like swinging the machete and it's like jesus christ like like
1: like if if you're an adult i if i would not be mad if he matthewed himself yeah not that i want him to be injured but i wouldn't be mad if like he took himself out of commission (laughs) uh that makes sense like i don't want him to be injured but i wouldn't be upset
0: uh, Jay Maya is discussing and trying to decipher the language on the, uh, tribe flag, uh, that she had pointed out and she's discussing it with drew. Um, Austin already, already has the key to this, right? Right. we saw him find it last episode. He sees his opening at one point where they all are not at camp to decode it and is able to eventually line it up. And it says, dig at the fallen palm tree X. So he kind of has an idea of where the idol might be. Um, Bruce, we go over to Bellow. Um, Bruce is starting the fire. Uh, Jake is really bonding with Bruce really well. Says that he's like uncle Bruce. Like he's like, said something about like, you know, you know, it's that Boston humors like cause Jake's from Boston or whatever. Uh uh-huh. Um, and you know, he finds Bruce really hilarious and Bruce is talking about trying to find that balance between playing the fun uncle and working on camp because she's like, everyone's kind of moving at a snail's place. So like, as much as I don't want to be like the leader in terms of building camp, I kind of have to do it. Yeah, which is kind of
1: condescending, <laughs> but well, but also it like I can't blame him really. It's like if everybody else is like dragging their feet, and it's like, um, I'm sorry, we need shelter.
0: Yeah, but Kotora, uh, I love Katora. I've I've, I've yes. settled on it. She hates Bruce. Yeah. yeah, she's like everyone just loves him, and like they none of them realize that he's just like completely downplaying his his threat. And he's so obvious. Like his joking was so corny and like the weird
1: put on dancing that he's doing. It's so like, I know I am 34, I am solidly a millennial, but I will agree with Gen Z. This is cringe. That is the word. (laughs) That is the word. I can't, it's cringy. It's weird. Stop it. What are we doing?
0: Emily uh, over on uh, Lulu is trying to search for something. She needs to find some advantage because she's like, "I'm completely on the bottom. I'm next vote. I'm out." Everyone notices that she's doing it, so she's not quiet about it. Caleb then talks to everyone's like, "Okay, what if we like all just decide to like search in teams so we can keep track of Emily?" It's really not to find the idol. They're, they're trying to keep a track on Emily. At the end of the day, um, Emily Brand is the only one that's like, "I kind of do want to find the idol though." Um, Sabaya goes up to Emily and it's like, hey, Emily, so, like, we all discuss kind of, like, maybe we can search in teams, you know, and, you know, we're doing this to kind of, like, include you in the group, right?
1: Emily clocked it, though. Emily goes,
0: I mean, I can read between the lines. I know you guys don't want me to find the idol independently. <laughs> I, I, it's not good. For, at this point, it's not a good thing for her social game, but I appreciated her bluntness of just, yeah. like, don't bullshit
1: me. Yeah.
0: Like, come on. Um, Emily goes, I think saying that put a bad taste in the tribe's mouth, but they already have that taste. So I don't really have anything to lose at this point. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Brandon finds a beware advantage, uh, in the search. Uh, and he's with Sabaya as this happens. Brandon's like, I don't really, I, my strategy was if I get a beware advantage, I'm not going to take it. And then offers it to Sabaya and she's like, I'll take it. (laughs)
1: Like, I, I will say if he had taken it it wouldn't have mattered that he failed the puzzle later because he would have already lost his vote.
0: That's true. Yeah, that's fair. But he, well, but that what makes the puzzle, I think he says this, like that's what makes him failing the puzzle so sad because he was like, well, I made this point not to, you know, get, take this for, to preserve it. And then I still lost it. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Um, so it's a similar thing. It's not the same thing as the one that Reba has, there's a hole in this, like, paper that they have to align on the tribe map. And it will show the tree in which, you know,
1: the... I was really appreciative of the fact that they bothered to have different, um, like... Clues. Clues and whatnot for the different tribes. And we'll see what Bellows is when, slash, if they find it. There's. Right. um, But usually it's the same one. I I really appreciated that they gave them different ones because it's, it's more interesting to us as viewers, but also it means that if there is a tribe swap just because someone was aware of the previous one doesn't mean that they will find the new one because the information not, not the same. Right? Yeah,
0: I appreciate that. Sabaya finds and Brandon go to the tree and she's trying to climb on Brandon's back to like get up the tree or whatever. Brandon being like, "I have scoliosis." How did he
1: pass the physical? I
0: want to know. Like, uh, they they're playing fast and loose over on CBS. Apparently, um, Sabaya's like, "Well, that's not working, so I'm going to tell Caleb and Sean." about it so they can't you know and they basically they can't find it in the whole tree we see like the shot of where it is but they can't seem to figure it out we go back over to reba do we get this whole extended thing about d having a really long big toe it is
1: freakishly long
0: yeah but she jokes like it's perfect for like when we do like the balance challenges and stuff like that because she's done such pinching Sufu with her toe and it's like yeah, you got a good grip with that. That is a
1: thumb, ma'am. <laughs> that is an entire thumb. Uh, it, there's...
0: Mm, yeah, it was it was something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we hear more from Julie, who I really like Julie on the Reba yes, tribe. She talks she's
1: that, the older woman, right? Mm-hmm, she's well, the, not older, but she's older than the rest of them.
0: Yeah, well, some of them are, can be her kids, basically, yeah. in age. And she talks about that, that she's bonding with Drew over that because she's the same age as her son. And like she's playing in this like vibe. He's the Jay one that's vibe. like
1: twelve feet tall, but he's like twelve years old.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Julie and Drew agree that they're both gonna pull in D and Austin to be a part of their alliance, so that they have a four person thing going on.
1: I really like this group.
0: Yeah. We go I, I think they they played it off as to where I feel like they're gonna be a real strong alliance, it yeah. seems. Um Emily's lying on the beach alone, <laughs> um Lulu, just by herself, just like <laughs> it was so sad. <laughs> But Caleb feels like he's starting to get Emily a little bit more. He says that you know she's big on facts and numbers, but she just has a big mouth. Huh? You were
1: like Tism Watch,
0: (laughs) and it really clicked. I mean, at the end of the day, we were very hard on her last episode, but it's like this week on Tism Watch, (laughs) brought to you by a gay and his envy. And Caleb basically decides that he's going to try to comfort her a little bit to try to you know at least give him an option at the very least and have some you know. Something. um, Caleb t- basically describes it as nursing her back to health. <laughs> like, trying mm-hmm. to, like, be like, hey, this is how you fix this, essentially. Emily admits that, like, I have brought a bazooka to a tea party is how she puts it. So, that's I mean, my fault. And that became the episode title. So, I mean... She talks, she breaks down her confessional, how she's like a realizing that she says, I'm really realizing it's an emotional game and not analytical. And she does stuff with like stocks, I guess, in her real life. Mm -hmm. And she goes, people are not stocks. People have feelings and emotions. And I was like, that is correct. And I'm glad she's figuring that out. But that line delivery was like, that was like the, the, the line of a movie about like a robot who's like. In ingrained in society, like yeah. people have emotions, <laughs> well,
1: and the thing is is that what um, is feelings? <laughs> yes, I will say that one of the presentations of autism is that someone does not really understand emotions, they are like don't have any real empathy, like there's a there's the other end of the spectrum where there's too much empathy, right right, but I Again, I am not a diagnostician I but I am autistic, and I can spot it like uh like uh, the like way that I that can
0: spot things like someone who
1: can spot <laughs> things. um I can spot things I could spot it a lot better than uh the Lulu tribe seems to be able to spot that thing in the tree. Um, <laughs> so, yes, like I, to me, it's clear as day. Um, but I I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree.
0: Um, Emily ends up apologizing to Zabaya and Zabaya basically says like, yeah, I mean, I was being defensive too. And they seem to at least on the surface make up and Emily gets really emotional about like figuring this out and learning this kind of stuff in her. And I was like, oh God, i like this redemption. I was like, I I love that, that two episode arc we get from Emily this episode or these, these last two episodes where it's like, you see the ups and the downs. It was really cool. Um, Brandon at one point is trying to light a fire with his glasses when the boat then comes in. Emily goes, do you think it's for us? And Brandon goes, no, I think they're delivering food. Yes, it's fucking for us.
1: <laughs> I love him
0: so much. <laughs> so three people have to go on a journey, basically. Drew goes from Reba. Bruce goes from, um, Bella. And then Brandon from, uh, Lulu. Um... Emily's kind of upset that she uh, isn't going because there was kind of a chance for her to get some kind of advantage that she needs. Katura is pissed that Bruce I, is going.
1: I think that Emily not going is what saved her hide.
0: Yeah, she probably would have risked it and fucked it up.
1: Well, but she, she would have risked it and fucked it up, but she also would not have made the inroads with the rest of mm. them in order to get her saying. the time
0: on the beach building the social game was more important yeah katara is like my tribe is eating out of bruce's hand everything he does and he does a lot of stupid annoying stuff and he's leaving on the boat and is like roboting he's like brando look at this and then like does he's like hiding in the boat and like popping up I'm like hey like peekabooing it's like dude how old are you and brando's like encouraging him I don't. I think Brando. I got the sense that Brando was like, "Yeah, that's fun. it's 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 the uncomfortable encouragement where it's like, I can't be like that's cringe." I mean, you could. You could, but definitely not in this
1: environment. I think the whole tribe would be with him on that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think the whole tribe would go, "Bruh!"
0: As soon as he leaves, he's like, "Did you see that shit?" Like, <laughs> they both. They both meet. All three of them meet to then talk. Um, they talk about their camps. Brandon basically tells them everything about Emily and how she came in hot, essentially. Drew, though, feels that Bruce is keeping things more close to the chest and that he has, he's less likely to work with him and that he's very reserved. I love that Drew was kind of, like, maneuvering this. Like, he was very like, so tell us about the tribes. And then Bruce, like, gives his vague answer. Brandon lays out everything. And Drew's like, well, it was nice talking to you and then doesn't seemingly say
1: anything. <laughs> but then he also, like praised brandon and was like yeah i really feel like he's trustworthy you know because he shared all of these things and i don't think bruce is trustworthy because he's not sharing anything and then proceeded to share nothing well
0: that's the thing it's like wouldn't you also think the opposite like isn't why is someone holding cards close to their chest a sign of untrustworthiness
1: wouldn't it be them he was trustworthy with his tribe Sure, but not trustworthy with you. In Survivor, it doesn't matter. Sure, how... but I don't fucking know you. Sure, but you have to remember that in Survivor, it doesn't matter how loyal you are to someone else. It matters how loyal you are to me. Yeah.
2: That's and fair. if you
1: don't show loyalty to me, you are not trustworthy. Yeah. They each
0: go on their path. Brandon trips at one point. It's like, God, he cannot catch a fucking break.
1: Was, he almost caught a break on his hip.
0: Yeah, it, it looked nasty. Um, they basically get to this thing where they have to match. The, the If they choose to play, they have to match tiles that then creates a code that they can uh, solve, and they get their advantage. They have to finish it in three minutes. If they don't, they lose their vote. Bruce decides to protect his vote and not play, but Brandon and Drew play. Drew ends up winning. Brandon loses cuz he mismatches one of the tiles like he thinks yeah. it's a match and and it's not. Um so he completely fucks himself. Yeah. Um Drew gets safety without power, which means that he can leave tribal before votes are cast and return to camp and so he cannot be voted out but he can also but he won't be able to cast a vote obviously because it he'll leave. Um so a pretty I I think that's one of the more powerful advantages if you know you're yeah, really in fucking trouble. Yeah. Um, Brandon, they go back to their camps. Brandon basically just tells them all exactly what happened. And it's like, yeah, I have no vote. And I fucked up the puzzle. Sean is like wondering to himself in his confessional. So it's like, so what are Brandon's strengths? Yeah. Because <laughs> he said he could do puzzles and this happens, And then we really get that later. Um, Drew returns, uh, and no one's at camp and they all like surprise him. Like, which I thought was cute enough. Um, And then Drew also just tells them exactly what happened. I found it so interesting how open. I think I got annoyed last season about people being so open with their advantages, but I, I don't mind it in this sense because you do really get a bonding with the tribes. I feel maybe it's because the episodes are extended that we see more of that.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, I think part of it is that, and part of it is that really, you don't have to worry about being secretive so much in this game until the merge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people are trying to play it tribe strong for the most part in the early game. And then once the merge hits, then you really have to worry about alliances. Then you have to really worry about where you stand in, where you stand in that sort of, Like, you have to worry about pecking order in your tribe, but you really only have to worry about it if you're going to tribal. Otherwise you can kind of just win challenges and not deal with it. Right.
0: Yeah. Austin uh feels this was a really trustworthy move by Drew to sort of share this. So then he tells Drew about his beware advantage in private. Um and Drew feels like this could be a final two that he and Austin can form, that he feels like he's the brains and Austin's the physicality and, and the charisma. And so they seem to be pretty closely
1: aligned. He said that he's his, the JT to his, like he was making a connection to a previous. Uh,
0: oh, 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 um, uh, fishback. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that kind of lays out. Um, Brando, <laughs> this is cute moment on Bello where Brando is with the girls and they're all wearing their buffs as like tops and Brando joins them. I thought it was a cute little moment.
1: Tiny. I'm surprised Carson didn't do that last season because he's tiny enough. Yeah, especially as tiny as he got on the season.
0: Well, and and Brando talks about like you know I feel comfortable in this environment. Like I'm not the person to like sort of bro out with the guys. I'm like so. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he, he, I I hate I hate that that's our tendency on these shows. But you know you guys We
1: literally have an episode. From this podcast from Survivor 44 called But He Has Gay Face. Sure. (laughs) Literally us being surprised over um, Maddie being straight.
0: Right. Kendra wants to work with Brando and pull him into sort of like the girls alliance and stuff like that. Um, We see Jake is telling Bruce that he thinks there is a girl thing. So he uh, susses that out.
1: Pretty quickly. I think that that's just a default assumption though.
0: Right. But I mean, he happens to be
1: correct. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think there's so much sussing as there is. He, it
0: is kind of an assumption people make every season. So. Right. Um, Bruce then is trying to pull Brando in and Brando feels like he's going to keep his options open now because we have two sides pulling him. Uh, And then Bruce is then trying to loop Kelly in um, who is like, I want to go with the girls, but also I know, you know, it's a stereotype, but like, you know, there's a strength advantage right. being with the other men. So it seems like Brando and Kelly are the two that are kind of like floating, floating in between. Um, we then go to the immunity challenge uh, and slash reward challenge. The reward is the fishing gear. One gets a larger fishing gear. Mm-hmm. One gets a smaller one. Um, they have to climb up this tower uh, where they smash a tile uh, that has a key on it. Uh, it's the one that we've seen it before where they dive off the top and smash it. Then they have to go across a balance beam And then they reach the end where two of them do a coral puzzle.
1: I will say um, usually everyone has to go through the whole thing and then two people do the puzzle at the end.
0: Now it was broken down. It was
1: broken down into three members of the tribe have to do the jump and swim and um, balance beam thing. And then the remaining two members that were playing have to do the puzzle so brandon had no excuse Uh (laughs) uh-huh that's what what i'm saying
0: um and also they added jeff makes a point to add the new rule um which is that which i I love survivor twitter is dubbed the claire rule from last season which is that you can no longer sit out back-to-back challenges so if you're sitting out on this challenge you have to compete in the next challenge
1: yeah it used to be that it resets at tribal no longer,
0: yeah. Katura and seafood decided to sit out for their teams. I was confused. I was like, this seems like seafood's challenge because
1: he is has his tai chi bullshit. But like you were like, I think, I think he, because of how broad he is, it makes like balance beams and things like that more difficult. Right. So,
0: and also having someone with maybe some strength in a next challenge is more vital. Right. Um, Sean takes like a nasty like belly flop, like face plant when he knocks down his key. Like the, the point that Jeff points out. And then Kendra on the balance Ooh, beam.
1: Cooch plants.
0: <laughs> just full on just like impales herself almost. Like it was nasty. Uh it I, I felt really bad. Um Lulu is behind uh on the puzzle. Jeff gets his moment now to just rant on Lulu.
1: A place they've been in the entire season, dead last. <laughs> now, I will say, um, you talked about the impact that Claire has had on the sitting out rule. Um, let's also talk about the impact that Carson has had because they've had to redo all of their puzzles. They're so, like, it's
0: a completely it's like fuck, like we can't prep anything. Great. Um Jeff is again like just put it in the deep freeze for Lulu, like Jesus, Jeff. And then this was annoying. Like it's one thing to be bad at puzzles. It did feel like Brandon was just like wandering at a certain point.
1: Like, well, and he was, he was matching the puzzle pieces, trying to do them sideways. He was only looking at the cutout part and not looking at the design of the puzzle. Yeah, it's like it's a tree. You have to match the branches of the tree. You know how puzzles work, right? <laughs> it makes a picture. <laughs> like, I can't imagine looking at his puzzles. Like, I just don't understand.
0: Uh, Reba ends up winning with Bello being really close behind Sack. It was, like, really close between the two. It was a two. photo finish, yeah. And But not for Lulu. <laughs>
1: Lulu. No, no. No, and, no. There was no picture.
0: Like, Jeff Leary makes, like, eight different shady comments about Lulu throughout this. It's like... Yeah. They're starting to become the new. I forgot what it was. The tribe that uh, Cass and Spencer and oh
1: yeah, and uh, Malcolm and or no,
0: Malcolm, uh, Tasha
1: and oh that one. Oh, I was thinking of the one where oh that one too on Philippines. Yes, that one was awful. Where they literally had to go. I, I mean, I guess we'll just put you on two separate tribes, and because we're not to merge yet, we can't do it. What are we? so bad.
0: Um, Brandon, uh, when they get back to the camp, Brandon just cops to screwing up immediately. He's like, I know. Yeah. You know, I fucked up. (laughs) And Emily's like, basically says, like, I know it's between you and us. You and
1: me, essentially.
0: Yeah. Like, so I love that they kind of just being open with it within the tribe. Like, I did like that aspect.
1: It's a little refreshing to where there's not, like, this backstabbing early in the game. There's no need for it now. Yeah. But Sabaya wants to look
0: for her idol because she doesn't have a vote because of right. her
1: beware advantage, because it's, like, it's going to be a tight
0: thing. Um, so they go back to the tree. Um, <laughs> Emily and Brandon are just sitting at camp, knowing that they're going. Like,
1: Well, they literally sent them off to discuss who should go home.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Emily goes, they've been gone for such a long time. Wow, it must be so hard to be in the Power Alliance. having to make tough, tough decisions. Wow, pity me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then Sabaya finally realizes that there's a rope wrapped around it with, like, a branch on, where they just have to cut the rope. Yeah. It's like, Jesus. that took you that long to figure out? So they get, they break, they come down. They have their idol. But then they read the paper and it says, your idol is encased in wax. You have to burn this wax to take possession. And then they just start, Sabaya starts laughing as she's reading it. And like.
1: We don't have flint. We don't we, have fire. We literally
0: don't have fire. <laughs> so. I was like,
1: you were like, but they have their torches. Yeah, they have their tiki torches that at least get lit on the way. So I would be sitting in line on the way to fucking Tribal burning that shit on my tiki torch. Like, I saw a great tweet, which
0: is like, as soon as I arrived to Tribal, I'm going straight to that fire pit and just like.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like sit it in the corner of the fire pit where it will melt, but not where it will burn the idol. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there were options. Like, come on.
0: Um, Sabaya uh, tells Brandon.
1: <laughs> I would have, li- would have literally just been like, Jeff, I'm just going to sit this right here. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Ignore it. It may come up later. It's fine. <laughs>
0: Sabaya um, tells Brandon what she has. And basically like, yeah, so it's in case the wax. So I still don't have my fucking vote. <laughs> like, and hopes, basically just hoping that Sean and Caleb will vote with Emily. will vote Emily out. Um, Emily's looking to solidify trust uh, to where enough that she gives Zabaya her shot in the dark.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize that they held that on them the whole time. I, for some reason, was thinking that it was like something that was... If you choose, then they give it to you at the... Right. Because why would you trust them to hold on to that the entire fucking time? But at that point, that's part of the game, right? If you lose it, you don't get to use it. Sure.
0: Um, Caleb says that Emily's listening and working and that she's a valuable asset, but Zabaya is like, I don't know if, you know, I can trust Brandon. I can't trust Emily. So Zabaya is very adamant that Emily needs to go, but doesn't have a vote and has to trust in her two yeah. other people. And Caleb is a little more vouching for, uh, Emily. We get the tribal council. Um, they're basically all in agreement that it's between Brandon and Emily. And so they're open with that. So Jeff is like, well, I mean, I guess I can just have you guys pitch your cases essentially. Um. <laughs> Sabaya makes the point to say, like, it's not that Brandon performed poorly. It's that he told us that he could do it. So it's like, just be honest with us about, like, your strengths and your weaknesses.
1: Like. Well, so, but what's he going to say? Well, I'm bad at everything. <laughs> and I'm good at nothing.
0: Well, wait, But then Jeff spins it as. Well, no, he makes the point of, like, I'm a good morale person. Like, I build people's morale up on camp. Everyone loves,
1: you know, my conversations, which is true. In camp, fine. But in the challenges, your morale does nothing because all it, it it lands on deaf ears.
0: But then, like, the way Jeff takes that point that Brandon is making and just, like, really doesn't do handle it as well. She goes, or Jeff goes, you know, I've tried out for the basketball team, and I sucked when I was in high school. But you know what I was great at? Being the water boy. And I feel like you're the water boy of this tribe.
1: Credit to Brandon, though. He said, I will gladly be water boy for this team. <laughs> like, I, I just want to be here. But I, there's
0: literally a whole movie about like, an Adam yeah. Sandler movie where it's like the water boy is not the favorable position. No. Um Emily uh, pleads her case. At at one point, she makes the point of like, you know, it's really been a lesson, you know, with everything that's you know back home. I have friends, believe it or not.
1: (laughs) Okay, which it's like I there's a I'm like. But then I love how Jeff like shades her friends, where he's (laughs) like, yeah, well, your friends are lying to you. (laughs) Like out here, they're just gonna tell you the truth. Your friends just are not telling you the truth. Uh, You're a piece of shit. (laughs) I feel bad. She's
0: trying. She's trying so hard.
1: Yeah, she really is. And I do commend her for that.
0: Yeah. They end up going to the vote. um, And Brandon gets voted out 3-0. I'm shocked he didn't use his shot in the dark. I would have definitely attempted that. But um, yeah, so unanimous vote. Uh, Brandon ends up going home. It's sad. Like you mentioned, I like Brandon as a person. Don't get me wrong, but I think him being gone is going to help sort of like position the show into being much more about the competition. Yeah. And that and there's some good competitors across the tribes that I think I'm I'm looking at as, you know, really interesting characters in terms of how they're going to maneuver throughout the game.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that was survivor for this week. All right, let's get into these tops and bottoms. We got a like you said early in the episode, we have a bunch to go through this week we have uh new york we have salt lake we have oc and we have survivor what are you thinking babe uh i'll start with my
0: bottom it's a sad bottom for me i'm my i never thought i could do this but like my... not
1: not sad bottom as in angie's husband
0: <laughs>
1: bye <laughs> have a great night everyone um...
0: No, uh, no, my bottom is, is, is Shannon. Uh, I, I never thought I could give Shannon a bottom. I'm such a Shannon apologist in many ways. And, like, Shannon is – she's not in a good place. And it, 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 you have to sort of admit it now. We had yeah. feelings
1: about that throughout the season, but it's well, like – Well, for a couple years, it's kind of been yeah, on the horizon. She
0: hasn't dealt with it, and yeah. she hasn't really fixed the issues, and it's just compounding. Um, it, it, it reminds me a lot of, like, Luann. Yeah, like her, like when in her worst period, like it sucks, and and I want her to get better. I did not like how she did not
1: take any bit of accountability this yeah. reunion, and just well, did you see? Did you see? Luann has made comments about it. No, I haven't. Yeah, Luann talked about basically same thing you just said. Like it's really sad. Like I hope this is rock bottom, and that she can learn and come back from this, and you know that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, the thing that upsets me the most about the Shannon thing is Archie. Poor Ugh, Archie. Poor Archie.
0: And I don't even think again, I don't think it's a John Jansen thing. I no. think it's I think there's something deeper happening and it's 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 not good. Um my inverse though is my top. And my in I'm gonna give it to Gina. Yeah. I, I and I think I put Gina as my bottom a couple weeks ago. Gina, I think, fully redeemed herself from the yeah. stuff I was annoyed with. I hope she defends Heather a lot next week. Yeah. And I loved how she was there for Jen. And I thought she nailed it perfectly. And I thought she had a a complete right to be outraged. The idea that Shannon would just not apologize to her. I don't blame her for being angry. And I think it was righteous anger. And I think in the times in which I was more annoyed with Gina coming after Shannon in past seasons here, I was like, no, I fully get it. I fully get why you're upset. The con like not knowing her kid's name was like, like, you have not invested in this person enough, and I don't think that's fair and she deserves it, I think to a certain extent, like she deserves at the very least your any bit of attention or care into you know her her feelings, yeah like yeah, it was so frustrating, but yeah, Gina's my top for the week. What about you, babe? What are your
1: tops and bottoms? Um so I'm also going to start with my bottom and that's going to go to Sai on Roni. Yeah. Um it's just it's exhausting at this point like I'm really kind of over it. Um and I'm really frustrated that she is like just going so hard after Jessel and was going so hard after Jenna and like it's just been a building thing, a building frustration. And I at least feel like Aaron is giving us some modicum of truth to what she is. Like, as frustrating as Aaron has also been on this season, she's at least giving us, like, some level of reality. Right. I don't think anything we're getting from Psy is real. And it it's like she feels produced. She feels fake. And then seeing all of this shit that's coming out um about like her and her husband and like the possibility that he was in a marriage when they first started dating and were first together and that's why he was still living in Montreal and commuting to New York City um for so long like literally for the first several years of their daughter's life yeah and it's just like, the fact that she's going so hard after everybody else for being transparent and all of this is in the closet for her, girl. Tip of crackles, fuck. Yeah. Um, so, that's that's my bottom. It's just, ugh. Um My top, though, is the fall light up on Bravo. We are going to get, we are so spoiled. Like, this is, like like we are spoiled as fans we're a little bit stressed as podcasters because holy shit there's a lot to cover this fall but like we had literally this week we got trailers for beverly hills we got a trailer for potomac we got a trailer for married to medicine we got a trailer for uh what's the other miami, one? miami. who can forget miami you can't forget miami and we don't watch it, but there was also a, a trailer re- that came out for Selling Sunset. So, like, all of these different Bravo shows, like, are just coming out. Well, all- Selling Sunset is,
0: is uh, Netflix, but yes. Oh, is it? I yeah. th- why did I think it was... There's a there, there's a million dollar listing is Bravo.
1: Oh, right. same right. difference. But
0: I get your point. Like it is a it's it's a it's stacked right now. Right. There is and we're, and House of Villains is premiering in a week.
1: Oh, like this is so much shit. I'm so excited to get Tiffany Pollard back on my screen. Yeah,
0: and it's like like that, but particularly with Bravo, I agree. Like the Beverly Hills Potomac, Miami, Married to Medicine is just like everything we want
1: i like, already know what i am saying i am thankful for on thanksgiving And <laughs> it is this fall lineup it really is for, it
0: really is four of the best
1: franchises on it, it really is and i'm so excited and like that beverly hills trailer looks amazing uh, and the married to medicine one like there's like they featured um mariah Huck. mariah a lot in the flashbacks. And there's a tease of somebody returning from the dead, quote unquote. Girl, I would if be we dead. get Mariah back, I will scream. I will literally be so fucking happy if we get Mariah and Phaedra on the same goddamn <laughs> season. Holy fuck. That would be amazing. I just I I like the possibility has me literally buzzing in my seat right now it's this fall is going to be fucking fantastic hey thanks for tuning into this episode of a gay and his envy
0: join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening and check us out on our social media at a gay and his envy on
1: all the platforms a special shout out to shane ivers who wrote pulsar the song we use for our theme i'm Eamon. i'm merlin and And we're we're out.
0: out